The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there there's spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket and welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 3 Retrospective Part 2. Uh, we're going to talk about the remainder of Phase 3 of the MCU leading up to Avengers Endgame coming out this week. Uh, it's going to be out uh, this Friday. Anybody going preview night is going to see it Thursday. Um, so let's get it started. My name is Kerwin and joining me today is Jason. What's up, Jason? Not much. How about you, Kerwin? I'm good, man. What are you drinking today? Uh, I have a Coors Light and then I also opened an Ultra. I have a question, though. So you got the tickets for us for Endgame, and I was telling you guys earlier on eBay, they were selling for like thousands of dollars. Were you tempted to put them on there? No, because no amount of money would make me trade a special night uh, with my friends. You know what? I love that, man. That's really heartfelt. I appreciate that. I would never, never trade that for any amount of money. I'm not going to lie. Like Once I saw that, I Venmoed you immediately, because then I was (laughs) like- investment. (laughs) If I, if I can sell my ticket for 10 grand, I'm not going to lie, guys. I might watch it the next day. Uh, no, 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 no. That 20 bucks is mine. Also joining us today is Mugga. How you doing, Mugs? What's up, man? Uh, nothing much, man. Uh, what are you drinking today? So this is normal. We've got wine and a uh, uh, tall can of Ultra. But I have to throw it out there. Today is our host or guy, Jason Lucas's birthday. He's finally 21. Happy birthday! Yeah, man. Yeah. I can probably drink legally. It feels really good, dude. I mean, I have my whole life ahead of me. I'm so excited. <laughs> Please uh, ignore all the other podcasts where he's saying that he's drinking. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, I'm real excited, guys. Thanks for calling that out, Muggs. I appreciate it. Also with us today is TJ. What up, TJ? Hey, Kerwin. How's it going? I'm good, man. What are you drinking today? I am drinking a delicious mango cart today. Also with us is Dominic. What's up, Dominic? What's up, Kerwin? What are you drinking today? A tall dose Equis. Cool. Justin's uh, making a reappearance back on the show. How you doing, Justin? I'm good. How are you, Kerwin? I'm great. What are you drinking today? A goldenrod pineapple cart. Nice, nice. And uh, Bling rounding out the panel. What's up, Bling? What's going on, Kerwin? What are you drinking today? I'm drinking a goldenrod pineapple cart as well. Nice. Everybody's you also have a fountain. Uh, fountain uh, I also have a Dr. Pepper There as you well. go. Yeah. Gotta throw that in there. Because <laughs> he's the love doctor. Ew. So before we uh, get to our first movie, we got some news about phase three. Jason, why don't you uh, fill us in on that? Yeah, I was. Um, so today's Easter, and I was visiting with some family, and my brother-in-law Brad was telling me that uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home got added to Phase Three. So we actually have another movie. I think when, when does it come out, guys? In July. It's July seventh. Okay. July second, I think. So we're gonna finish up Phase Three today, uh, minus, of course, Endgame, and then now. Uh, since they added Spider-Man Far From Home. so Which was guys, originally supposed to be the first film of Phase 4. four correct. Yeah. Do you guys like that they're doing that? I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. I don't have a problem yeah. with it. I mean, I think Phase 4, they want to start completely fresh because none of the Phase 4 films have been filmed yet, so oh, I think that's okay. why they're doing it that way. No, I definitely like that. I just The only part that feels a little funky is not ending the phases on the Avengers. Right. Film. Right. Yeah. It feels, it's not like that's what they've done in the last two. It's just the only part that feels yeah. weird. Especially but. if you're calling it like the Infinity Saga, which is like what they've called this entire right. first phase one, two, and three has been deemed like the Infinity Saga. It just seems weird to like end it not on this Avengers movie, but I don't know if Spider-Man's supposed to take place before or after Infinity War, and so that's the only reason that I could think maybe they, they switched it up. Right, yeah, and I don't have a problem with that. And like I said, starting fresh for the next phase, so it's just the only part that eh, stuck out a little bit. Yeah. All right, so let's get into our first movie. We've got Black Panther, released February 16th, 2018, and directed by Ryan Coogler. It stars Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, Denai Guerrero, Martin Freeman, Daniel Kaluuya, Letitia Wright, 
Winston Duke, Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, and Andy Serkis. 97% of critics liked it on Rotten Tomatoes, giving it an average score of 8.26 out of 10. 79% of the audience liked it, giving it an average score of 4.1 out of 5. Its budget was $200 million. It made $202 million its opening weekend. Its total domestic gross was $700 million, and its worldwide gross was $1.3 billion. Thoughts on Black Panther? Damn. It's good. Really good. Not trash. Not trash at all. Definitely not trash. I honestly don't think I have a complaint with this movie. It was excellent. I enjoyed it, but I will Here say it's go. a little overrated. That's all I think I have to it's probably How dare you? I, I have to say Drink it. Drink your I mean, Dr. Pepper. No, I think, you know, Kerwin and I were talking about this uh, a week, about a week ago, too. I think Kerwin kind of agrees. There, I, think, I think there are some pieces of the film that are not done as well as they maybe could have been done. Uh, but definitely, I mean, it's a it's a great movie. Oh yeah, it's like, a great movie no, as far as no action complaints and just, at all. It, yeah, and getting introduced to a new world and especially Absolutely. all the new. They characters. did a great job introducing Wakanda. I, I thought it was yeah. amazing. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, visually is amazing. And, and giving the a lot costuming, of costuming, the music. Yeah. I mean, every piece of this movie was great. Characters. They introduced a lot of characters, and I think they gave them all sufficient time to kind of have like a, a good background built for them. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed those apps. There's a few things I didn't like, and like I said, just the, just the overall buzz. I felt like like it, what what specifically didn't you like? So what I did not like was where they, uh, what do you call it, uh, Killmonger rescues Claw, and then he kills him to bring him to Wakanda. I just felt like that was a kind of weird kind of plot. Well, that's that's his ticket to get in. Like he's, right. he's an outsider. Like what better way to get in with the people you want to take over essentially I mean, by he's, bringing he's, in he's, their he's, best he's, enemy? He's got the ring. He's got the Wakandan like blood, royal symbol. So I, I felt like that it just felt weird how he would go out of the way to rescue him and then he just kills everybody and then it just that was the only thing that kind of felt to weird me, to me what it showed in the film is number one again not being like a, I don't know anything about these like comic book characters right mm-hmm. I just know from the films you kind of are led to believe that like Claude's the, the villain right especially because we've seen him before mm-hmm. and then Eric Killmonger is sort of the He's the actual antagonist on this, yeah, this he's whole the main, film. He's so it main was villain, a little yeah. bit of like a bait and switch because you f- watching it, you're like, oh, this is the main dude calling all the shots. And then to see Killmonger not just kill Claude, but also kill his girlfriend, I think it shows like how ruthless this guy actually is and sets him up to be a villain unlike some of the other villains that we've seen mm-hmm. with no real motivation. This guy is on a mission and nothing is going to stand in his way. So I thought it was well done. And the other thing too is like, uh, once again, expanding on uh, trying to get the trust of Wakandans that he's trying to essentially rule or take over. Um, You also have that uh, doubt that's planted early on with Daniel Kaluuya's character, uh, Wakabi, about why um, T'Challa was unable to bring in Killmonger. So when you have, or sorry, when he was unable to bring in Claw. So when Killmonger shows up to the border with Claw, you automatically have that that he's the first character willing to side with with the enemy mm-hmm. immediately because here's a guy who is able to do what my king couldn't and you know Wakabi definitely suffers from his own personal issues his own personal history his own vendetta against Claw so I think you you also needed that to give Killmonger an ally so quickly as soon as he got within the country and kind of scanning back of it like as I'm sort of reliving it in my mind do you think it's safe to assume that double crossing claw was always his plan or do you because I felt like it got a little maybe the timetable got a little pushed up in Killmonger's mind especially since that was right off, off the heels of T'Challa capturing him um, you know I don't know if he would have been aware or had some kind of sense that you know they were going to gun for him soon but I mean watching the movie do you guys feel like it would be a sort of a safe assumption that that was always his plan yeah I think that was always his plan yeah because even um 
like he teams up with them they go to the museum they get the vibranium and claw even calls him like rookie so he wasn't working with claw for that long like he had just teamed up with him so i think that was his plan all along what are your guys' favorite parts of this movie? Because I, I really like the part where they're fighting in the waterfall scene. I, and yeah. Towards the beginning and of the movie. Which one? You know the first that? one with the... Yeah, the first one. The first one. I don't know. Just something about that whole scene, the whole... Everyone involved. I don't know. There's something really cool about yeah. how they, they, they do that. Most of Wakanda was uh, CGI. Obviously, there's a lot of it that is CGI. But that waterfall was actually built specifically for filming this that entire set was a real set it was huge it was giant i think it was set like six feet above the ground because obviously it's like off of a cliff as well mm-hmm. so that they could uh green screen the floor but they like bolted all of the extras into the the waterfall wall so that you know they don't fall off the bed of the pond that they were fighting in was like made to look like rock but actually padded for the stunt doubles and stuff but that was one of the the feats of the movie, you know, when everything is CGI, that was like a real set that they built. Yeah. And getting to CGI, like we kind of talked about this. Um, yeah. one of my, my biggest problems with this movie is I feel like, um, I never really feel like the CGI is quite realized as well as it is in other Marvel films. Really? I, I, I thought the CGI was really pretty good. Nah, no. man. Nah, the, the rhinos look hella the, fake. That's, with the exception of the rhinos. Yes. On, the the yeah. animals. Yeah. It's hard to, yeah. yeah. The rhinos look like hella fake. Black Panther in his suit in a lot of action sequences just looks like an animated character. Just um, the fight between him and Killmonger looks awful, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. Where I didn't yeah. like that part. I didn't yeah. like the CGI fight. Yeah. Down, down in the go. subway area or whatever. Yeah, and I think the reason I have such a problem with it is, one, it, it definitely takes you out of it. And I'll get into the fight. The actual fight itself, I think, should have been executed differently. But um, it takes you out of it, especially when you compare it to Civil War, where a lot of Black Panther was real. Like, he looked real when he's filmed on camera. And even when you get to um, Infinity War, the way he looks on camera looks like he's actually there. For whatever reason, like in this movie, he just looks like an animated character or a video game character. There's a couple shots where the suit looks like fucking beautiful and he looks like present and he has weight to him. Uh, The jungle fight at the beginning... And then also um, certain parts of the Korea chase, like when he's like walking down on, on Claw and everything like that. I know a lot of him was real for the uh, the fight in the fields or whatever, mm-hmm. but that subway fight is awful, and some of the some of the uh, Korea chase is awful. Like in my opinion, I don't think the CGI is as good as it could have been or should have been for this movie. And also, this is just my personal preference, but I like the design of the suit from Civil War better. But that's just my opinion. But. What do, you think, what do you think about uh, Michael B. Jordan's physique? <laughs> great. Damn. <laughs> I thought he did a great job, though. Uh, yeah. He no, really him did. As, him as a villain was amazing. It was oh, so... Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's part of you that was rooting for him, because it was so, like, real and... Because he was right. Because he's just a raw, think, evil guy. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what makes, like, a good villain, is someone who is conflicted, right? And he definitely is. And I also read that, like, on set, he kept separate from a lot of the other cast so that he could maintain that tension filming those scenes so that he he didn't become too friendly fearing that that would somehow translate to his performance like you definitely understood like his his drive and everything that he did but he was just going about it in the most extreme right like way possible like and, and this but is, you still fell for him and you just like he had an arc yeah 
this is his second uh, take on, oh, on right. Robert yeah. Flick because he he, did, was, uh, he was in the the reboot for Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four oh, right. which I've never seen which it. was it awful? awful. Yeah. It was terrible, and even his role in that film was very forgettable. So I mean, he looked actually kind of small too. So when you see him in Black Panther, you're like, dude, these guys ripped. I think like, the last time I looked that up, it had a seven percent. That Fantastic Four. Oh my it, god, it was they, awful. They I saw it in theaters. Out. It was terrible. Trash. Yeah, um, like getting into Killmonger's motives, you know, I, I really liked his character, and I think uh, we we talk about this all the time when we watch movies. But I think the best villains are the kind of villains that challenge the ideals or the uh, I don't know the morals of the main character, the protagonist, and kind of force them to look a certain way and kind of understand that the way they're doing things may or may not be the right way. Um, you kind of see that with Heath Ledger versus Christian Bale in The Dark Knight, which is why that villain is so effective. He forces. Batman to kind of examine the way he operates, examine himself, his way of being. And I think Killmonger is the perfect antagonist for this film because... Kind of compare him to Zemo. To Zemo? Yeah. Zemo, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely... I would definitely say... I would definitely say Eric and uh, Zemo, you know, and we'll get to Thanos too, but I think um, those are two of probably the, the best villains as far as motivations go. But I do love that Killmonger... Killmonger kind of serves as kind of a, a grounding piece for this whole movie because you have this like fantastic imaginary nation of Wakanda that like miraculously, you know, thanks to their technology, avoided slavery, avoided colonialism, and they transformed into an isolated nation. But I, I love the fact that that's brought kind of into the real world because when you have a nation like that and that nation's kind of revealed, you know, me as a black person, my immediate thought would be like, well, where the hell were you this whole time? Right. And I like that this movie isn't afraid to tackle the realities of that because, yo, right now, if a Wakanda type nation just popped up in Africa and was like, yo, we're technologically advanced and we're rich and, you know, but by the way, we've been hiding for, you know, 500 years and basically said, fuck all the rest of you. Like, I would be pissed. I would be fucking pissed. So I'm glad they they address the realities of that situation. And I'm glad that that's kind of the centerpiece of the movie. I feel like uh, one of my favorite things about this movie that is that it does delve into a lot of issues that do affect uh, the black community. It does deal with a lot of issues that affect um, Native Africans, descendants of Native Africans, um, African-Americans, uh, Afro-Europeans, pretty much black people around the world, as well as um, the descendants of slaves, the people that aren't descendants of slaves. What it means to, to kind of be black in modern society and kind of the repercussions of half a millennia of systematic oppression. So I'm glad that the movie does address that. And I'm glad that that is a centerpiece of the film. And I'm glad that the villain is kind of taken upon himself to kind of right those wrongs. To correct that. Yeah. Albeit in a crazy sadistic manner. But I do love that he forces T'Challa to realize that the way that Wakanda has operated is no longer acceptable in today's world. Right. And I, and I do love that fact. I mean, yeah. I think, like, at the end of the day... It's T'Challa, like an anti-hero. Yes, yes, yeah, I think so. Like, T'Challa does change his perspective after this entire series of events, right? Like, I, yeah, I just thought... That's, like, his journey throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah like, I what really struck me while watching the film was how timely it was. Um, but also, even, like, in the end credit scenes where is at the United Nations and he's talking about building bridges and not walls and there's more that brings us together than separates us. I just thought that that was, it was a very good time for this film to come out, I thought. I think this movie came out at the perfect time too, like history-wise as well as, you know, we're not marketing geniuses, but the people at Marvel are. 
comes out yeah. Black History Month. Yeah, Black History yeah. Month. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Perfect timing for it to come out. And um, it was a huge event. Like you oh, just yeah. see everyone going. Oh yeah. Like a or people of color, like black people. Oh yeah. Like you of had course, a lot yeah. of you had a lot of black families, a lot of black people that normally wouldn't have gone to a movie like this. And I think um, this movie really is important when you look at the history of Hollywood and the legacy of Hollywood moving forward in kind of destroying the notion that you can't have a high-selling, wide-reaching blockbuster that stars black people, like right. majority I mean, black people or people of color. There are like two white people in this whole film. Yeah. One of them got killed in the first 30 minutes. Yeah. Right. Like I love going the, going to the theater when that movie was out. Like you can see like the black families, people are excited about this movie. It was a movement. It's... It's just nice to see that, like, like I love movies growing up, and that it's still an art. It still speaks. It can still say something. It's not commercialized completely or dead or just a thing to turn a profit. Like, it can still be relevant. And as someone who's loved movies his whole life, just seeing this affect people this way, it's just great. So since we're going down this road and all that, do you guys agree with it being nominated for Best Picture first? I mean, I, don't, I think it's a great movie, and I, I have no problem with it, but I know... I don't, I don't know. Like out of all the superhero movies, this is the first one. I mean, what do you guys think? I think that I think the, we need to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it was the yeah, first yeah. one no, that ever. You know, yeah. let's talk about it. Yeah, I think the Academy's late to the party. You think so? I think, but they they did pick a good movie to do it. Then, right? I mean, I agree. You yeah. Know? Like, like if we just look at the Marvel movies for a second, it does have the most to say. That's like culturally relevant. Like TJ was saying, mm-hmm. like out of all, and of I them, totally agree is, with yeah. you guys on that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Kermit, you and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago. But I think you're right. I think they're just late to the party and they're trying to catch up. You know. Yeah, like, uh, we all know that The Dark Knight should have been nominated back right. in 2008. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, we all know that. We all know Logan probably should have been nominated a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I think the Academy now, it, the worst part about it is, like, we know this is a pandering act. They're trying to pander to the right. masses. Especially, like, Oscar so white. Like, they're they're trying to make up for... Yeah, and, I mean, most importantly, let's not even, like, trip. Like, we know it's about money. Like, they've been struggling with their ratings for the last couple of years. They had the whole Kevin Hart situation. They were struggling to find a host. Um, they're trying to nominate more popular movies. They they had that whole popular movies the category. category. They, were trying to make a, they were trying to make a category, yeah. Yeah, like, they're trying, to, they're trying to bring in that audience that may or may not be interested in the Oscars. And I feel like, while I do feel like this film is great, I do feel like in a perfect world, in a world where other movies from the comic book genre, movie genre or whatever had been nominated previously. I think, you know, this deserves a best picture nomination, but like the fact that it feels like pandering to me is what makes me disappointed. I, I feel disappointed by it. Cause I feel like this was a pandering act to get to boost ratings and get people watching the movie. That being said, I, I love that it got nominated. I think it got nominated for what? Seven Oscars. Yeah. One and one, two. two. One, yeah. Two, one, two. One, two. Yeah. So it was like best costume design and best uh, score. The score is great, by I, the way. So, are, so is yeah. the costume. Oh, yeah. I think, I think, like I said, the best parts of this film are were the visuals and and the sound in my mind. I want to watch it again, though. You really don't think, or the the CGI about him. If you actually, watch it, I you'll watch see. It, I've seen it only see. twice. If you watch yeah. it again, you'll see like specifically the subway scene. Okay. There, there's some scenes that you can tell, but I think the opening scene, like in the jungle and stuff, like it, it looks great. It, it oh, looks yeah. great. Yeah. 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 yeah, it looked really good. Yeah. That's when he had his old suit. Yeah, that's yeah. when he had his old suit. Yeah, I think the old suit just looks better on camera. If, but if I like that thing, like, like every time they have like, um, 
you know, a sequel or something, it always inherently has to have more explosions, has to be, have more action. It felt like that's like the suit had had to happen that way for that same sort of logic of like we have to step it up one more step. Now he's got his own movie, like you know what I mean? Like almost an unnecessary. Like in theory, it was cool. I love the energy, like the science behind it. The oh, like the know, it absorbing and absorbing impact. and yeah. exploding it. But, like, but that was cool. But, but like it, yeah, not super necessary. It got really high tech too because in Civil War, his suit was a suit, and this one almost became like. A nano suit like we see in Infinity War with with Tony Stark's bleeding edge armor, and of course, to do like that kind of tech, it's, it has to be CGI. So yeah, I I mean I don't have a problem with that. It just it just looks fake. Like the subway scene fight looks fake. If it looks fake, you totally lose it takes, credit right away. It takes I understand. Like I, feel I will disagree like, though. I didn't think it was too bad. Well, I have to watch it again. Well, I only watched it twice, and I wasn't analyzing films, it. Like I see it now. Some of the, like I saw Ultron like. This week, and it, I thought the CGI was a lot worse, but also it's an older film, so I feel yeah. like even some of the older, even first Avengers. And speaking of the reason, I watched The Matrix Reloaded the other day. Yeah. Good God, that CGI is awful. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm just like, whoa, that is not Keanu Reeves yeah. at all, you know? And, but, but, but it was, but, but, but it was, yeah, it's it, just but it was, yes, exactly. Was it awful for the time? You know, that's, yeah. that's no, what you for the at. time it was good, but then when you compare it, because CGI is always going to get better. Oh, yeah. So, well, I feel like Terminator 2, for example, is a CGI that still holds up pretty well. And again, yeah. I probably have been a year since I watched it last, but I, that's a movie where I don't get lost. Whereas, again, for The Matrix, if we're comparing it, it's, yeah, it's absolutely like, yeah, I'm totally watching a computer game right now. Yeah. Terminator 2, we got to review that one too. We do. Yeah. yeah. Um, one last thing for me anyway, but um, TJ and I, we talked about this, but I think that last fight would have held more weight if it wasn't so separated from the community for which uh, the two people were fighting, Eric and T'Challa. I think um, that shouldn't have been so far removed from everybody. I get it. You want to have it in the Wakanda mines and you want to find a way to pierce his suit open because, you know, it disables the vibranium or whatever. But I think this fight should have been there for the citizens to see, which is why when you talk about the waterfall fights, Jason, my favorite fight in the whole movie is the second waterfall fight where Killmonger wins. I feel like that fight has more weight to it because one, it's completely real. Two, like the people of Wakanda are there to watch it and you definitely feel a lot more emotion going on in that fight because of everything Eric's had to come up and deal with. T'Challa just found out that this guy's his cousin and that his dad and um you know his high priest or whatever sure uh zuri mm-hmm. um like killed his uncle in oakland or whatever so i feel like i wish that approach was taken with the last fight to give it more emotional weight because you're fighting for the fate of a nation you shouldn't be underground with subways while the actual nation is fighting a war above ground i kind of yeah. feel like that takes away from it if that if i had one trash with the movie that would be that that subway or whatever you want to call yeah. it fight scene i just i just I didn't care much for it. I don't know why they did it. It felt like it went on too long. It was long. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Well, yeah, because the above ground fight leading up to that, it was more engaging. And then again, and then just to go to the subway fight, it's underwhelming by that point because you just had a lot of action that was, again, above everyone's involved. It's a lot of weight. It's a lot of the nation. Uh, a little bit of a civil war, you can see. And then, yeah, so, yeah, compared to that and then the CGI, like, yeah, I can agree that's pretty underwhelming. The first part where you see Michael B. Jordan's character where it's to him, not as a little kid, is it is it a museum that yeah. he's at? Yeah. Tell me that is not like a great scene. Like you look at him, you're like, it is okay, this guy's like a, 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 a dick, but yeah. like I'm on his side, but I'm not, I, I think it did such a great job. Like, hey, here he is. Here's what you're going to do with the rest of the movie. I, I loved that scene. If I had to do a treasure right now, that scene was, because the way he talks to like, every, oh, it was so badass, man. Yeah, he had the best dialogue, some of the best lines in this, like his sort of a, 
What, wow. what does he say when they said, oh, yeah, we had, and he goes, what, just because you took it, you think it belongs to you or something? Right. Yeah. I thought that was like, you're like, dude, this guy ain't fucking from? around. Yeah. You know? yeah, I thought that was so cool. Like, you have all these people, you're watching me with security, but you're not paying attention to what you put in your own body. Yeah, like, yeah that was so badass. So much, there's so much commentary in his introduction. Mm-hmm. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. The, uh, so you have uh, colonialism as well as imperialism. Um, he addresses that immediately. Like right. you were saying, Muggs, like just because you have it, you know, you think this belongs to you, y'all stole it, yeah. you know, um, just like a lot of things. And then um, you have the whole um, being over, sur- you know, the over surveillance of him because, you know, he's a black person in a museum. He has security all right. around him and stuff like that. Like that is stuff that, you know, black people, people of color are hyper aware of. And I'm glad that they address so much just in his introduction alone. And like you're saying, Muggs, like, it lets you know right off the bat what kind of character you're dealing with. And I love that they just go full force into the themes right away and say, hey, this is the kind of movie where they don't shy away from it. They don't shy away from it at all. And I love that. I think one of my favorite scenes is after he uh, eliminates T'Challa and throws him off the waterfall and like that, the whole scene where like the camera's like flipping over and as he's uh, walking up to the throne, I was like, with the music, it's it's perfect. It's just like, wow. I felt, I felt that. Yo, the music is great too. We're going on so long about this movie. But. I know, but there's just so much. Nominated for best pitch. Yeah. I know. But, yeah. Yeah. Review it. Right, Ant Man and Wasp. Okay. Yeah, that's, move on. We'll, that'll be we'll two minutes. Yeah. Um, no, but I love uh, the contrast in the music because you give to Chala this very regal, bombastic trumpet score, and then I love how uh, Eric has the fucking like the trap beats, the more modern, contemporary hip hop thrown in on top of that. And I think uh, was uh, Ludwig Garnson. Yeah, the the guy that did the score, all his scores are amazing that I've listened to. Like, I love I love this score. I bought it like when the movie came out. The soundtrack and the score are amazing for this movie. Talking about favorite parts, my favorite part in the whole movie is when Eric has his flashback when he takes the heart shaped herb mm, and he that. sees his dad back in Oakland. I'm not gonna lie, like I cried a little bit when I seen that scene. Like, you know, uh, family relationships and stuff like that is a huge deal in our community. And um, kind of seeing that, having my own, you know, personal issues with family and, and fathers and all that other stuff, like that scene really hit me emotionally where like he goes back to Oakland and he transforms into the little kid and the dad is like, you know, you're taking this too far, essentially. Like, you know, you've adopted my ideals and all that other stuff, but you're going way too far, way much further than I ever would have taken this. And um, I don't know, just something about that scene hit me, the music, the way it's set, the raw intimacy of it. And I thought Sterling K. Brown did a great job. This cast is stacked as hell. Like yes. this, this is an amazing cast. So, uh, fun fact. Sorry, Jason. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see here. That's so my second. Huh? Yeah. Uh, Wesley Snipes was trying to get this movie made back in the nineties. I believe. Oh, I, I did I read heard about that. Yeah. yeah. Black Panther movie, but never came to fruition. It might've been good in the nineties, but I feel like not having that done and then doing it here. This is what you want. Yeah, you, know? you get, you get yeah, your yeah. first. I mean, the '90s yeah. is a different yeah, era of well, movies. It, you know, I think too, like the fact that it's part of this like larger universe lends credibility to it as well. You know, talking about like the the movie landscape in the '90s, Wesley Snipes is a big star in the '90s. Right? Do you think any studio is going to put up? 120 plus million for an all black movie superhero comic book movie in the 90s? I, I don't think so no, in the 90s no, no. not the at 90s, all no. yeah definitely not in the 90s but um he did like you were saying dominic he was trying to get it made back in the early 90s with uh, columbia pictures who actually did uh, spider-man right the spider-man trilogy with sam yeah. raimi under sony um but that fell through he kept trying to make the film a reality up until you know he had a service sentence for i think uh tax evasion tax or evasion, something like yeah. that yeah um and Marvel actually 
considered introducing Wakanda as early as Iron Man 2 because we do get a mention of vibranium in um, Captain That's America. Right. Yeah. 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 And then um, I think there might have been a, a quick mention of it in Age of Ultron, right? When um, Bruce Banner's looking at the computer. Yeah. He, see, he mispronounces Wakanda. Yeah. And then, yeah. That's also our introduction to Claw, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Where Can I just say one funny thing? Have you guys seen the video going around on social media where a, I, th- I think it's a college class, but a guy does a presentation on an area throughout the world, and he does it on Wakanda, and the professor's <laughs> totally like baffled. Like, she, I've never heard of this place, and he goes on. You haven't seen this video? It's like on, he, he gives a whole presentation on Wakanda, what they bring to like the world, and all. You haven't seen it? Oh, it's no, pretty. I'm, it's pretty funny. Okay. It's pretty funny. But this this professor's like, I've never heard of it, and like just totally like. Just Oblivious, amu- right? Yeah, amused, <laughs> like, like, just like, wow, I really got to research it. And the whole class is like laughing because they know where this is going, you know, yeah. but it's pretty good, yeah. I have to watch that. Yeah, it's pretty good, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, at one point, Ava DuVernay was actually uh, hired or in talks to direct this movie or Captain Marvel. We'll get, that, we'll get to that later. But she left over creative differences. One of the other directors that almost ended up directing this movie was F. Gary Gray. Who did F8, Fate of the Furious. So he was almost the director for this. I like Ryan Coogler's version better, personally. That's not a knock against uh, F. Gary Gray, but I... Ryan Coogler is just an amazing director. Dude, he, he hasn't made a bad movie yet. He's amazing. He's a new... Like I said, he's that new blood in, in, in for directors. So I think that's what makes... Like I said, it's the next... Ge- like, actually, the future generation of these these young directors. So yeah, I think he, he did a really good job. And all, all of his movies, he hasn't done a... I don't think he's done a bad movie yet. And he's only, what, like, early 30s? Yeah, he's I young. I think he's like 33. He's young, yeah. Yeah, he's a young dude. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad I'm glad he's in. And he signed on to do the sequel. So yeah. I'm, I'm definitely happy about that. That's pretty much all I got. Anything else for anybody? We're good. I want to watch it right now, but... Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say one final sort of tangent. Um, I do like, after watching the Black Panther, then going back and watching the Civil War, um, especially the scene uh, right after his father passed, and he's just sitting there on a park bench devastated. He sort of flown so under the radar in that movie just as who he really was. And, uh, you know, we knew his fans who he really was, but just watching the regalness of seeing him in, uh, embraced by the queen as the king, as total royalty, then you just sort of really get, I don't know, just like how devastated. It just adds to me rewatching that scene as sort of far away far away from home far away from his people just and now his father's past just a really sort of violation he's really been suffered uh to me it's just something that adds extra weight to that scene or to the real whole movie okay one last thing sorry guys um (laughs) before what movie are we doing after this because how are you going to follow up like (laughs) we have we have infinity Infinity war War. oh shit but then we're going to do ant man and that's going to be shitty that's a cakewalk compared to these two this is kerwin's fourth last thing but (laughs) i'm sorry guys i'm sorry um like I said, like you said, Jason, one last thing. We got to talk about one thing that this movie does so well. We got to talk about the women in this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Can I, I, can I just say, I, I don't remember if we talked about it the last phase or when we recorded last, but like phase three is like the phase of women. They really go all out. Definitely. Like yeah. in this entire phase, I think um, in all of the films, there are really strong and empowered women. And it's really great to see on, on film. Yeah, we got a uh, we got a Koye. The Dora Milaje are the shit. Yeah, they're dude. tough. Right. I yes. wanted more scenes with like the whole of them. Like when they get into like formation. Shout out Beyonce. Yeah. When they get into <laughs> when they get into formation against Killmonger and right. they got the choreographed Great. moves and yeah. they're just kicking ass. I love it. Um, I love uh, Shuri. 
Sheree and Sheree's Tish, so Tisha great. Tisha every time me and my sister see each other, we always do the Wakanda salute. Uh, so right. we always do that. So I love I love their interactions with each other. Um, I love um, Nakia, T'Challa's ex, who becomes his girlfriend again, I guess, by the end. Um, I love that she does share the same ideology as Eric, although does not wish to pursue that in the same manner. So I'm glad that she's there to kind of act as a foil to him, to kind of still make T'Challa see like what he needs to do. You got Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett, even the queen. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. She still looks. I don't know how old she's. Probably like sixty or seventy. She's sixty years old. Fifty nine, fifty nine or sixty, I think. Mugga's age. She still looks like. (laughs) She still looks like she did and Stella got her groove back. So she looks. She's hot. But you know, like drink your Dr Pepper. Even even like you know the fact that like. Okay. Okay. All right. No, I'm not sixty. I'm like fifty five. But even like walking into the casino and like you have this hero who obviously is male but like his two backup people are women like to me that's just amazing yeah yeah the guarding of the king the highest priority in that country are these two it's amazing. right yeah and they're and he totally buy it like everything the the way they're acting and the choreography of this action i it's just it's done very very well yeah and i think too like obviously i think it hits on like uh when we talked about it being timely, putting women on the forefront too is is also very timely and also very like relevant. Uh, and like you said, you don't question it. It just it is what it is, and you buy it. Right, it's a suspension of disbelief. Right, right like any good movie. Yeah. Corinne, you got one more last thing. Right, here we go. <laughs> I look. I just I love this movie. Like, you know, it's su- great. This oh, yeah. Subways aside. I'm more of a Jersey Mike's guy, but Subways aside. Oh, I see what he did there. Like I, I, I love this movie. I love this movie aside from the CGI, but I think it's I think it's great. I can't wait to see what's gonna be done next. And um that's it for me. Yeah. Yeah, just one last thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one last thing. So, uh next movie we got is a little independent film called Avengers Infinity War. Uh, came out April 27th, 2018, and it's directed by Joe and Anthony Russo. It stars everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, keep it that way. Uh, Perfect. The critics, 85% of them liked it, giving it an average score of 7.6 out of 10. 91% of the audience liked it, giving it a 4.5 out of 5 average. Uh, the budget was $300 million. It made $257 million its opening weekend. Its domestic gross was totaled out to $678 million, and its worldwide gross was $2 billion. Thoughts on this movie? I think I, the Trash. ratings are high, but do you guys agree with what they are, Rotten Tomatoes? I feel well, like they I, should be a little higher. Well, I mean, because you said, what, Black Panther was 97 yeah. And, so, yeah. Black, and this and this one's eighty five. Yeah, Black Panther's ninety seven, average is eight point two six, and then this movie's average is seven point six. Got a lower rating because they killed off Black Panther in this movie. They killed <laughs> off all, pretty much half the cast. I, I mean, yeah. I like kind of weird thing, but my sister saw this and she really did not like this movie because they killed off so many people. She didn't like how dark it went. Oh yeah. And, uh, but you know, and I don't know, I. I liked it a lot. I know it's kind of it's kind of grim. I mean, it's they, I mean, they do it kill. I mean, in for the sure, comics. it's not a happy ending. Yeah. But like, it's also a movie. It, it left on a cliffhanger. No, so. she yeah. left crying in tears, like she right. was having nightmares. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, she was <laughs> like, really? No, but, <laughs> no, but she she was like she really walked out of the theater unhappy because like, I think it's because it's, it yeah, is I a mean, continuation. A, everyone did. Everyone, everyone expects to like go to the movie theater and end. You know, especially for a superhero story. movie, you know. Yeah. So I think the fact that it felt finished, we know it's not finished, right? Yeah. We we know the end game is coming out, but it felt finished, and I feel like you left feeling like unsatisfied because it wasn't a complete 
story. We're left in the middle of it. You know what the thing is too is like um like we were saying people were going in expecting like a superhero movie to come out with like a happy ending and all that other stuff. Um I think one of the things this movie does really well is subvert expectations cuz the whole theme of this movie is failure. You know, what are you really willing to do to save the day? And none of our heroes are really actually willing to do what it actually takes. Nobody kills Vision right off the bat. You know, right. Doctor Strange doesn't take the fucking amulet where he needs to. Tony and his big ego thinks he can just fly into space and beat up Thanos. Thor doesn't go for the head. Star Lord doesn't kill Gamora when he should have right away. Like this whole movie and fucks up the and plot fucks, with Thanos. Yeah, I've <laughs> never looked at it from that standpoint. Like yeah, that's, that I mean, but all those are yeah. really difficult. That's crazy. Like, yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, don't talk about it. Be about yeah, it. Right? And right. Because only, conversely, Thanos. To that point, yeah, like as you say, that Thanos is the only one showing that conviction, especially when he kills. He's willing Gamora. to do what it takes to get what he wants right. done. Huh? Yes, yeah, yeah. and, and he's another. Wounds. You know, we just we just finished talking about Black Panther and Eric Killmonger, and uh, I think Thanos is another sort of villain who who has an ideal that's different than the heroes that we know and love, and because of that, he's seen as the villain. But it's not necessarily like an awful perspective yeah. he's just going about it the wrong way well yeah in his mind he thinks he's doing the world of, or the universe mm-hmm. a favor because he's like hey he's, he's the only one that can you know is willing to make these make these sacrifices right. for the greater good right like he said it's a completely random system rich poor like uh just 50 percent at random if you take away complete inhum like humanity, it's like a very logical solution. For sure, there's yeah. a limited amount of resources right. in which the universe, can, which again we we're compared to our yeah. own, you know, as a, a society, as a planet's problems. But yeah, he's like Dwight Schrute. We need a, we need a new play. <laughs> he's the Dwight Schrute of the Marvel universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh there's yeah. too many people. We need a new play. Yeah, Recyclops would have came through here and just wiped all. Recyclops <laughs> Have his revenge. So Cyclops will sweep up that dust, but I don't know. Oh no! Hey, but hello. one of the things, um, but to your point about people walking away like unhappy, like you're saying, your sister Jason, because this movie had such a dark ending, I saw a lot of reviews coming out saying like this movie sucks. Like I can't believe they would do this. They expect this to be our ending. This and that and this and that. And it's just like yes, this is a complete story. There's a guy that wanted the stones. He had to fight a bunch of people to to get it done, and he won. Unfortunately, he just happened to be the bad guy. And I feel like a lot of reviews, um, some of the reviews that I read, were just people caught up in their feelings. You're mad that the heroes didn't yeah, win. They mad. They're mad that they didn't get the conventional story. And the Russos and Marcus and Mifili and Marvel, everybody involved, said, "Nah, fuck that. Like we're gonna we're gonna make these guys lose for once because it's been twenty something movies. You guys are so used to these guys winning all the time. We need to switch it up a little yeah, bit, right. especially coming on the coming up to the last movie." Yeah. Well, I even read too that that's why Loki died in the first 15 minutes of the film is just because they wanted to set the tone for what we could expect. This is what it's going to be. Yeah, this is is the world that we're living in. You know, get on board or not, I guess. Do you think this is a way to sort of separate uh, let's say comic book fans, people who love these characters versus people who just enjoy the movies. Uh, Cause you know, every Avengers ride is, you know, you know, you're in for a fun time, you know, you're in for a good time. Uh, you know, the heroes are ultimately going to win type of thing. Uh, just sort of casual fans, if you will, or, uh, you know, people and not, not and talk anything evil on them. Like, I love that this brings in people, more people knowing who Spider-Man are, more people knowing who Thor. Are. I love that. But again, do you think these same people are more of the fair weather fans, if you will? I agree with that. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of the people that got, you know, got their feelings hurt just like we said, they just expected a run of the mill movie and they didn't get that. And I feel like a lot of the people that I, I didn't hear any comic book fans really complain about this movie. I mean, I like I said, for once a million times, I'm not a comic book fan. I just know the movies. To me, that's what made this movie good. Iconic. Yeah. Iconic. 
Right? Iconic. Yeah. Was because Pump the, the brakes um, no, they had to set up. Well, so, well because I think this movie, I, to me, that's what makes this movie good is that is the fact that it's not your typical superhero movie, and the heroes don't win in the end, and you lose all of these people. Now I know that they're coming back because I know that Disney's not going to walk away from half of these characters, <laughs> right. right? Like I, I get it, but like it also felt very real to me. And to me, that's what makes the movie a good movie is the fact that there were real stakes. And for once, I, I can't remember ever a time where a movie ended this way, you know, where it's not a happy ending. You know, people aren't. Um, I, I, the way I compare this film to, I like how they left like so many loose ends. This to me was like almost like a, you know, when you, the first time you saw Empire Strikes Back and you're like, what happens? You, you're you're kind of anxious to you're see waiting. the next the next part because you know it's not going to be left like at that. Well, I mean, yeah, like I said, my sister didn't like it, but the comic book fan my brother-in-law is, like her husband, like loved this movie because it does kind of keep true. It does kind of go where a lot of other superhero movies just, they just don't go. They're afraid to go or they don't want to do that. So, I mean, he really liked it. I mean, I enjoyed the movie too because of that fact as well. It's like you weren't, I mean, me personally, I don't know that story arc in the comic book. So Mm -hmm. like when I walked in there, I was like, holy crap, this is really happening. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that they went that way as opposed to, you know, like almost any other superhero movie, whether it be Marvel, DC, whatever it is, like they always end up, you know, being heroic and winning and living. Yeah, this one was like that first that. one where it's like, I mean, yeah, we saw we saw Logan, you know, where, you know, Wolverine, you know, spoiler alert, you know, he, he dies. Mm-hmm. But cut, cut it, cut it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, outside of that, we don't really see a lot of that where these heroes actually pass away or, you know, get killed. Now, have you seen the movie Hero? With Jet Li? No. Yes. Oh, I snuck into that in high school. I didn't watch that. Yeah, he dies in the end. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you just ruined it for me, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially coming over uh, off the heels of Ultron, where it was very much script. It was hit every point. It was fun. The heroes are always going to win. No real danger. No real stakes because you knew that they were always going to save the day. Other than some casualties, that you know always get lost in these kind of movies to give it some sort of gravity. But yeah, like, and then this one felt it still had the fun, but the yeah, ad ended the super gravity, giving it more of a real feel. Uh, not so, I don't know, cartoony, if you will. But one real quick question, kind of to something Curran said earlier. Do you think you could be argued then that Thanos is the protagonist in this movie? The directors have said that if there's a protagonist, it's Thanos, and our like follow-along hero right. is Thor for this movie. He's like, in the first, those are the, that's who those the movie are the, opens on. Yeah, those and are they the kind two, of end with those two. Exactly. They, they're the two that started off, and they're the two that meet up at the end. And any conventional movie would have Thor go on this long journey, meet new people, gain new powers, show up to save the day at the like last he did second. In Ragnarok. Yeah, like yeah. he did in Ragnarok and kill Thanos. But they said, fuck that. Thanos is going to win. Well, really, it was Thanos who made new people, got new abilities, and in the end, overcame his obstacles, if you will. Yeah. So, no, that's a real interesting way to look at that movie. And it works. Yeah. Right. What I liked about this film, too, is I think the Russo brothers did a really good job with their trailers to kind of mislead what you oh, were going to... they are fucked up. I mean, they, they, they... On purpose. They did a lot of things on purpose. Like, even the trailer, you see, you know, you see the Hulk yep. running in that one scene, and you're like, he's not even in the film, like, with the exception of the beginning, because he doesn't want to become the Hulk. I honestly didn't think he was going to get all five, uh, or was it six... Six Infinity Stones because mm-hmm. it, it made it seem like oh near the end in the trailer he only has two and I thought okay maybe the first movie is going to deal with him getting some of the stones and then the second one's going to deal with him you know getting the rest of the stones but they threw us for a loop and he gets all six Infinity Stones and he does the snap so I, I have a weird question I don't want to like go off on a tangent but right. do you do you mind that Josh Brolin does Thanos and Cable like is that a big oh, deal think, to you 
That's fine. No. I, mean, I think he's no. great. Because Thanos because, is mocap um, and he's purple. Thanos, like, yeah. Thanos, like, it's not actually Josh Brolin. Like, it kind of has his, like, facial features a little bit, but, you know, he is, like, a generated character. Right? Yeah, I love but, Brolin as Thanos. Like, his voice, like, the way, he, the way he says his lines and delivers them and everything, I think he does it great. And then plus, too, if we're, you know, Deadpool has always kind of broken the fourth wall, so it's a, it is a kind of fun thing that in the Deadpool movie he comments on. <laughs> so, no, yeah. no, I, I, I know that. I just watched Deadpool, too. It was on uh, HBO or Amazon or something, so I rewatched it again, and I was just like, thing. I was like, man, this is kind of weird. Like, you keep seeing all these memes and stuff of, like, Deadpool yeah. being in Endgame, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> And I would, oh my God, I would pay not $20, but maybe like twenty two fifty to go watch the movie instead <laughs> just to see Deadpool in the movie. Right. Um, but I just, I was just thinking about that character crossover and just like, how, how would that work? I, I love that they make fun of it, you know, in, the, in Deadpool too. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, I was just thinking about that. If that ever crossed, uh, it's just kind of weird. I don't know, but. I mean, you had like Chris Evans come over for Fantastic That's Four. That's true. Michael That's B. True. Jordan, uh, Lawrence Fishburne was in Batman v Superman and Ant Man and the Wasp. So I think, like realistically, like you're gonna run out of actors. Eventually. But, but, the, but, the, but, the, but these two are ongoing. Oh yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, you know, the Fantastic Four that Michael B. Jordan was in is gonna be one and done because it got seven percent on Tomatoes. Uh, the other Fantastic Four was you know, shit showing all in itself. So, you know, those are done, but you know, these are two kind of concurrently going on. I don't know. I just, it was just a thought. I, I, I don't know. Definitely. Plus there's those studio separations, whereas the Fantastic Four were the Fox, Sony, uh, they weren't like the Marvel studios made. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, and again, with the, with the Deadpool, it's not a full blown Marvel studios like yeah. the same way the rest of these are, which is another reason I can forgive it. Yeah. Or, but yeah, it's definitely something like knows. My brain doesn't register all that kind of stuff because I, I just I just see Marvel and I, I assume they're all kind of in the same thing. I, yeah. I know that there's like the Sony and the Fox right. and the X Men and everything separate. Right. Yeah. I just think I just thought like maybe like just because of Disney coming in and buying up all this stuff right. like what if in the future like I, you know I don't I don't know just, no no, no just, definitely yeah. but I always yeah. just sort of give them the grace of like. Especially now with the phase being over, if they really yeah. want to go that route, they're probably going to re-roll anyway. Or you know, if they yeah. want to do it via Deadpool, they can always excuse it as a joke. Yeah, that's uh, true. That's you know, true. everyone's kind of on board with that by this point. Um, one of the cool things about this movie, I will give uh, the writers, directors, cast like amazing credit on um, one act is on point, but also for the amount of characters they had to juggle. I love what they did. We talked about this in Civil War. There's a ton of characters, but they made sure to focus on particular arcs. So you have Thor's arc where he goes off with Rocket and uh, Groot. You have Star-Lord going off with, you know, the rest of the Guardians. You have Thanos, Gamora tagging along. You have um, Captain America meeting up with Vision and Wanda. Like, Vision and Wanda are, like, the main characters of that arc. So you have Tony, Doctor Strange, Peter. Like, I love that they split everybody up into groups. And they're telling all these different stories throughout this entire narrative that, like, weave in and out of each other. They did an amazing job giving everybody those moments without having the film have to grind to a halt. It was well-balanced, well is what yeah. I would say. Yeah. Balanced. Perfectly yeah. balanced. Yeah. Yeah. As all things should <laughs> Oh, I see what you did. Yeah. I see what you God no, damn it, I honestly, fucked that up. Honestly, I think that's what makes this movie so enjoyable, is that they do it so well. Like, there's so many ways this could have gone wrong, especially with so many characters, but they didn't let the number of characters get in their way from telling just a great story. Kind of like, and that was the problem we all kind of had with Age of Ultron, is like we tried so hard to give everybody an arc instead of just telling great stories. Right. And some characters are going to have to fall into the background. Like Cap has no arc in this movie. Black He's Panther doesn't do anything in this movie. Like we're focusing on characters that have never had focus before. Like most notably Wanda and Vision, who have never been the focus of a movie right. ever. And their arc is probably the most painful one throughout yeah. the movie. Oh, yeah. 
That's heartbreaking, dude. Oh, yeah. Like when yeah, especially he, as the final stone that he collects. Yeah, and the way he just like kills him after Wanda already killed him, right. he brings him back to life and just rips his like head open and tosses him to the side. And the way Wanda dies like over his body, like you look like she's just given up on life. Like that's the like the saddest looking part in the entire movie. Yeah, to me anyway. Absolutely. I just think it's so interesting too. Like you think about all these characters, like being in middle school, high school, like kind of reading some of these comics, collecting cards and stuff. Like you knew of these characters and no one knew who Vision was. I just think about that. And it's like now it's like a huge character. Just I love how this movie really pays a lot of attention to these characters that maybe no one knew about and makes them like an integral part, especially in this movie too. I don't know. I, I like that a lot. No, definitely. Like I remember seeing Vision a lot in the comics. So like I, I recognize the character, but getting into actually who and what he was, like definitely, yeah. Uh, it was thanks to the movies. I mean, if you could have told your friend, like, hey, you know Vision is, I Marvel, no one's going to know who Vision is. And now it's like, oh yeah, of course we know. Yeah, duh. Yes. I don't know. All right. Speaking of vision, though, one thing we never talked about, like in Ultron or Civil War, the makeup on Paul Benny looks fucking amazing. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Know it's really good. I don't know like, how they did that. The yeah. amount of detail, like even his eyes look like camera lenses, like all the detail they have, like looks amazing, like on, on vision, how he looks. Am I wrong on this? Wasn't he also on the Da Vinci Code? And he was the yes. villain. Yeah, and he was. Yes, yes. And that's why I keep, I'm like, because like you can look at both and you're like, to piggyback off what you're saying, the makeup on him, because it's, I can, I'm like, I swear I think he is, but it's like, it's so well done. I'm, I, I don't know. It, it, it's really impressive because I was, I was like contemplating, is that the same guy that's on the Da Vinci Code? <laughs> yeah. Like, and I'm like, because the, the makeup is so good on that. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, you have the bad guys. Like, I like the Black Order. I'm glad we didn't, you know, grind to a halt with them. Mm-hmm. Like, I like, I like yeah. that Thanos has allies that our heroes have to go up against. Because, could you imagine how boring it would be if it's Thanos just, for several? Yeah, by himself. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I did like those characters. I, I think I'm satisfied with the amount of screen time they got. Yeah. Can I, they were uh, talking about like uh, a couple articles I read. You know, the Russo brothers were talking about there were some scripts where they dove a little deeper into all of those Black Order characters and where they came from and how they got their powers and and what their powers were and. Um, ultimately they just realized it was too much movie especially considering how many um, other characters we had uh, so they they edited that that out but I felt like I got enough of like what they were about I also like uh, I think it's Ebony Ebony Ma yeah his death was like quick like right like they just got him out of there um and again i think that's like a good like juxtaposition between like the long drawn out battles that we see in a lot with a lot of the other villains and for him it's just like a quick blast a hole in the side of the spaceship you get sucked out you're done you're gone to me it kept the movie like moving forward versus grinding to a halt with this like long drawn out battle about how they get rid of this like super powerful character yeah right especially with they had to give that time to Thanos it would have been too much development because again this is the first time we were really seeing Thanos really getting into him I mean we've heard like rumors and his sort of ideology or kind of roughly but like we've never seen this much Thanos in this movie we've only seen like one scene of him yeah. or one speech of him so if there's going to be any development or backstory it should go to him as right. the, and yeah. it did and it worked out really well remember when we saw Infinity War in theaters all of us together and like Rich had one, one of his complaints was like there was not enough backstory for Thanos. Do y'all feel like we got enough backstory for Thanos? I do. I, I think I do. the, the yeah. scenes with Gamora, I felt oh, really, yeah. really yeah. kind of like clued me in again, coming into it, not knowing who any of these people are. I think the scenes with Gamora really clued me into like what he was about and why he was on this dead set on this mission. Uh, I don't think we needed 
like a more, long drawn out yeah. explanation. I, 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 of I it. think the only thing they did wrong though is because we got little teasers from like you know at the end of Avengers in Guardians of the Galaxy, and even his look. It went through different, you know, different changes. Like he, yeah. he was, you know, different shade of purple, different look. Yeah. You know, in the in the Infinity War, he didn't even have his armor on. So I think that's the only problem is that if you take into account all the other movies, I don't think they had his whole ideology and what he was going to be in Infinity War fleshed out. So that could be where you can get a little distracted. Um, but if you just take Thanos uh, for what he was worth in Infinity War, I think they did a good job fleshing out a story can I ask one question I, and I've, I've been like dying to ask this like okay if if you have to rank my villains of all time Darth Vader's up there yeah. right you know Joker whether it's Heath Ledger Jack, whatever and I, I hate Ivan Drago you know <laughs> yeah. but does Thanos like creep into like your guys' top five now uh, I don't know I don't you see what I'm saying like it's like I'm almost like do I put him in my top three or my top mm. I don't, because this guy just really fucks shit up it's too early to say. I don't. I don't know. If Is I can, it too early to say? Because I, 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 yeah, I, we got to watch Endgame. But he's a he's a dick, man. <laughs> I mean, like, is, I don't know how else is, to say like, it. You know, I, I, like, like to be me, honest, like, I, go ahead. To be honest, I would kind of like to see a little bit more backstory, like a maybe like a webisode, like a thirty minute, just like of him younger. You know, I attempted to do this the first time, and he said, "Like, oh, I'm not gonna do this again, or I'm not gonna." Yeah, yeah. When he's about to toss Gamora up, like, I'm not gonna give up on my dream again, or. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does mention that. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to see a, a 30 minute short because one of my biggest complaints with Star Wars, at least now and during the prequels, was that there's too much expanded universe stuff that can get lost if you don't follow up with it. So like you would go into a Star Wars movie not knowing who the hell General Grievous is. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Oh. Like, which is what I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is which is fine. But, you know, I, I feel like I don't want Marvel to end up that way where you have to be reliant on auxiliary material in order to flesh out things that should be explained in a movie. But I will agree, though, I could have done with maybe one more flashback scene. Yeah. One more flashback scene would have done it for me. It's like the why he, what Even, idea got into his head to make him. Because he like, says it to Doctor Strange. Yeah. 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 Like here, this used to be my planet and now this is what it is. And like to yeah. me, I was like, oh, well, no wonder why he's pissed. I would have liked to see. I would have liked to see... So we saw the scene where he meets Gamora. Mm -hmm. I would have liked to see the scene, a scene where Gamora is fully willing to kind of do things his way. I would have liked to see them like team up in a flashback. Yeah, Yeah, like show them bonding in some way, like over a battle or something, which is a scene that got cut. Uh, There's a scene that got cut. Oh, they actually made it. Yeah, they made... It wasn't like a... It wasn't a um, battle scene, but it was her reporting to him like, oh, things have gone well, this and that. There's a deleted scene but it's like him using the reality stone to show her what their relationship used to be like. And then I would have liked to see the scene before Guardians of the Galaxy where she finally realizes like, yeah, I can't fucking do this anymore. Right. And we see that in Guardians. She knows she can't do what he wants anymore. But I would have liked to see that conversation between her and Nebula where she talks about the Soul Stone Mm -hmm. instead of just, hey, let's just play Nebula's memory back. Right, yeah. And and that's it. Is, Is he a top five villain for you? It's. I think it's. I think Bling. You said it right. Um. I think you have to give it time, and you have to look at it this way. Like, does he fuck shit up, or does he leave a lasting impression on you that's gonna last a lifetime? Because the Juggernaut fucks shit up, and he's terrible in Last Stand. <laughs> so, but but I do agree with you. I think he's great. I just I don't know personally if he's top five for me. It's but to if, be said. Yeah, but if he is for anybody else, if he is for you, like I don't blame you. Well, I don't yeah. know. I I'm, I'm just wondering. I, th- you know, I like, think Magneto would be a top five villain yeah. for me personally above. I don't know why, but I think Magneto, like I know different universes and all that, and they know ownerships and stuff, but I just think like if we're going to talk about superhero villains, I think he would be a bigger, like he might make top five for me. You put Ivan Drago up there? 
Well, duh. <laughs> All if he time dies, it's he dies. tough. But if you do like just like superhero villains for any doesn't have to be MCU, but any villain, like you could make the argument he's probably top yeah. five. Yeah, and we'll see what happens in the next movie. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm excited, but yeah, we'll see. Oh yeah, for me the villain motivations are always what inspire like the rewatchability. Like again, Heath Ledger's Joker and the Joker in the comic books mentality, which is another what he brings to that film, which is why it does so well. Um, you know, like we talked about Killmonger. Uh, he was good, right? Fuck, he, was, um, yeah, he was good too. And, and Thanos is meant uh, sort of like we were talking about earlier. His uh, motivations are sort of in that vein. I mean, relating to him, but right. You're but not, I think you know? I think sometimes because it's because he is a space character, he's a titan. It sort of gets lost only in this lens of if we're going to compare it to these other performances. Again, Killmonger is a human. He's talking about issues that are real and relevant. Yeah, you, uh, have, you have that uh, suspension of disbelief. Right, Joker's yeah. commenting on society, society that is uh, our society, like, you know, crime in a big city. We all know what that is. But I think Thanos has um, relevant ambitions because you talk about finite resources, overpopulation. You look at uh, disparity in, you know, wealth and income. And, oh, no, definitely. Yeah, I think... I think on a on a broader scale, I think his ambitions are definitely very relevant. I think that's just why it gets a little um, not as I guess poignant because it, he is talking big scale, he is talking global. Whereas if we compare Killmonger and Joker, they're more home, they're more specific, it's very more one specific yeah. issue. Yeah, um, you know, especially Joker is just any human interaction really, or a society that we can all understand. Yeah, yeah. The best villains basically have like a twisted view on reality. And they try to use that against the and, protagonist. So and they're willing to meet that end through any means. Like, you, know? you can't just be a villain just to be a villain. Like, right. just be a dick, just be a dick. You're just a low-level thug then. Yeah. yeah. Which, again, Thanos does check all these boxes. It's just, for some reason, I don't, and I'm not saying no. I'm just saying, for some reason, I'm not pushed 100% to say yes yet. Yeah. Uh, speaking of villains that don't do shit, uh, the Red Skull came back. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our entire theater was going crazy when he showed up cuz we all knew he wasn't dead. Um but uh fun fact, well I guess I'm the fun fact guy now, I guess I don't know. <laughs> but, Why are you um, stealing my stuff right God, now? Jason, yeah. you got to get on it, bro. You and Dom, you guys are stealing my stuff. Right I'm now. sorry, man. I'm sorry. This is all I have. <laughs> um Hugo Weaving did not come back cuz he didn't want to come back after First Avenger. Whatever. So was it offered to him? Uh yes. Okay. He was approached. But uh, apparently he didn't want to come back. So he was voiced by a man named Ross Marcon. The Red Skull in this movie is completely CGI. There's no actor, nothing. No. Really? Could you just shit the bed again. Com- You're lying. Red Skull completely again. CGI in this. I just found that out this Trash. morning. No, Trash. I don't believe you. I'm I thought the yeah, I, 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 He has got to be. No, no. They used, they used like a stand-in, but they didn't do motion capture or anything. They used a stand-in for performances only. Not like Josh Brolin where he has the rig and everything. Right. Mm-hmm. They didn't They didn't do mocap. They they literally had like a stand-in. Like kind of how uh, James Gunn's brother like stands rocket, in for a rocket. rocket. Yeah. yeah, like it wasn't like mocap or anything. It's just like, here's this person here yeah. and that's it. Mm-hmm. And isn't, then it, isn't it Agent Smith? Yeah, he was yeah. Yeah. that guy, right? Yeah, yeah but yeah. he didn't come back for this movie. So they just had a, a voice actor mimic his voice, and then they just built Red Skull well, completely differently. If you've digitally. never seen Ro- Ross Marquand, <gasps> no he's way. a great impressionist. He can do like everybody. He's done like Harrison Ford, he's done Kevin Spacey. He's a, if you go on YouTube, he, he does a video where he does all the impressions. He can do some spot on voices. I just feel like we got a shitty Red Skull again. I don't know. Red Skull, I was really hoping. I don't know, man. Like, I, you I was wanted like, him to do something in this movie? Or? Something look better, be more. I don't know. I just feel like, again, the only comic book I ever read was Captain America. So, like, I was hoping for something more. And yeah. it just got, I got let down. I read again. that they were, they were really excited to bring him back because they didn't. 
they knew, obviously, Corwin, like you said, he wasn't dead. We knew that. We didn't know where he went. They wanted to reintroduce him. I don't even think it was like in their original plan, but someone had, someone in production had mentioned, oh, what if the Reds, you know, because someone has to guide him through um, Dormir? What's Vormir. it? Uh, Vormir. Vormir. Um, Vormir. Someone had to guide them through that. So they were like, oh, what if we bring back Red Skull? And the, the Russo brothers were like, uh, yeah, like, why wouldn't we do that? Yeah. So. Personally, I didn't have any problems with it. I thought it, I just was excited to see him just because I wasn't expecting it. It was a nice twist. But if you are, like Jason was saying, if you're a fan of like him being the imposing villain of Captain America, I could see how it was kind of disappointing, especially because, you know, he, now he's just this dude banished. He's like basically been emasculated, if you will. He's got nothing except, you know, like he said, can only lead other people to a treasure he can't have. Mm. Yeah. And he's even like, I, I had, I even held a stone once and Thanos is here like, I'm on my fourth right now. <laughs> like, ooh, you held one once. <laughs> So I could see how that would be. Like, I remember my first stone. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you go, you know, Captain America: First Avenger, and it's like he looks like, like I told you guys in the the first um, review we did of uh, Phase One, he just looks like crap. And then like I'm like, oh shit, he's actually going to be in this. And then it's like, you know, another letdown. I'm like, I'm like crap. <laughs> okay, do you think it was a letdown because you knew going in he was going to be in it? Because none of us no, knew. No, at I all. didn't. Know. Oh, you didn't know. I okay, didn't know okay. going into it. So when I went into it, and then I saw him, I was like, "Holy crap! What are they going to do with him?" And it was like, it was cool to see him, I guess. Um, but I was just, I don't know. I guess they're reintroducing him again, and I was hoping to see more. And I don't know. Just a shit you don't show think again. Thanos would have brought him out? Nah, because I think I think the Red Skull is somebody with so much ambition. <laughs> that he's not going to fucking serve know. anybody. No, nah, Red Skull. So? Red no. Skull is not serving anybody. No. Like that's not like, serve him, but just like, hey, thanks for telling me the secret for the the just soul stone. To say right? thanks, that's it. You're like, hey, hey, um, get you out of here. No, like he's free now. Like uh. the, re- the they said, I think in an interview, I think the Russos or whoever the writers, they said that now that somebody has the soul stone, he's free. Like he's free to do whatever he wants now. Yeah. He's not. He's not trapped there anymore. Mm-hmm. So like he could come back. Who knows? But I will say this: like I am glad that we got closure with him. I'm glad that we finally know where he went. He just didn't die. He yeah, didn't just he didn't die, die or vanish. Right. Like I think that was good to kind of see where he went. It was appropriate to tie up a loose end, yeah. 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 Phase, earlier phase movies. Okay, so I have a fun fact. Sorry, Jason, uh, but you're sleeping on the job. I have a fun fact. Everyone uh, remembers Tom Holland when he's introduced into this film. Uh, he's on the bus going to the field trip, and his arm hair stands up, like his spidey senses are sensing something is wrong. And everyone thinks that's CGI, but it's not. Actually, there was someone who was gently blowing into his ear, and that's what made his hair on his really? arm stand up. Really? Yeah. Mind blown. <laughs> Fuck. Tell us what we don't know, TJ. Well, Jesus, you know we the know uh, ASMR. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the ASM and ASMR stands for Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so creepy, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> just like Tom. Imagine just sit if there that's your job ask. to blow into his ear. Let me just blow in your ear. Um, speaking of Spider-Man, uh, we talk about, oh, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good, oh, yeah. and he dies slowly. Yeah. There's a reason for that. So Spider-Man was originally supposed to fade away uh, into dust after saying, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Uh, he was just supposed to say sorry before he fades to dust. But um, as shooting went on, the directors decided to make it more like emotionally impactful. They did like a ton of different shots, and they're just like, you know what? Like, let's make this matter, because Spider-Man has this father-son relationship with Tony, so they pretty much told Tom Holland, like, hey, you know what? Act as if, like, you're fighting for your life to stay alive. Like, you're using all your strength as Spider-Man to kind of counteract what's happening to you. And they they prolong that scene so that you would have more of an emotional impact because, specifically, he's a child. 
So everybody that gets killed is an adult or a tree. I mean, Groot's a teen too. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Groot, he's also a tree. Yeah, Groot and Spider Man have the Dick. probably have the worst like death scenes because like you see Rocket walking over to Groot yeah. and Groot's dying slowly. And even James Gunn said that the last word Groot said was "dad." Yeah, to Rocket. It, mm-hmm. Oh, does both, he really? Both yeah. of those see that. were traumatizing. Spider Man and Groot, both yeah. of them. The the theater went silent when well it was all being silent but no. when Groot it was a different energy it was like oh, holy crap dude. everybody was like oh no not again especially no, because Rocket yeah. especially because Rocket yes. who doesn't show a lot of emotion is like no he shows no, emotion no. there yeah yeah because yeah. yeah. like, yeah, when, oh. when Rocket does show emotion he breaks down yeah yeah no I remember uh, going please into the don't make me relive this it was like little kids crying next to me as I was watching <laughs> oh like spy, when Spider Man vanished it was just like dude kids in the theater man like you just hear kids like no like the second time I saw the movie I went by myself after work and I was, so I was like sitting next to this elderly couple still packed sold out that day yeah. Monday night and then I was sitting next to this family with like two kids and when like Groot died the little boy like between the mom or whatever I was sitting next to the mom and the little boy was over one seat he was like bawling when he saw Groot die dude well you gotta wow. imagine too after Guardians 2 you know Groot's so small and all this stuff mm-hmm. you know kids I would assume got super attached oh, to Groot yeah. and then like yeah you see that happen oh my, my god my yeah. cousin's family named their dog Groot like it was like that big of a deal <laughs> and I'm like fuck and so I'm watching cause I have to bring it up when we get into the final thing but now I'm attaching to it and you see him just like vanishing like you're like well, I mean, cool did, bro did they, name cool. Him, did they name him Groot because trees have a lot of bark or there <laughs> it is there, there it is he's Dominic where you at he's up 2-0 two, two man yeah. I do have one issue I kind of feel like with Thor Ragnarok, Taika Waititi made it a point to kind of dissolve a lot of Thor's baggage, I guess. And I feel like this movie does it too soon to undo a lot of that. Like, he gets his old uniform back. He gets a new eye right away in the next movie. Like, he gets his cape back. We just learned that he doesn't need a hammer, and then he gets a fucking battle axe, which is fine, because he needed a stronger weapon to kill Thanos, which is fine. And I totally agree with that, but... Personally, I liked Eyepatch Thor. I thought it was oh, badass. Yeah. It was a very poetic for him to l- resemble his father by the time he finally decided to become yeah, king. Yeah. And I thought you kind of undo that by giving him an eye that, <laughs> what did Rocket say? He's like, you might want to wash that. I had to sneak it out in my ass or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, thought, I thought it was shitty that they gave him like another oh. eye. Or Oh yeah! <laughs> you didn't even know you were doing it. <laughs> no, no, no. That's how good I am. It just, it just, come, it just flows through me. So, Mark, put me on the board. I got one. Two uh, one. Anyway, uh, no, I think the same thing because like we saw Thor and Ragnarok like get the helmet, and I'm like, oh, I was super jazzed about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with the eye, with the eye thing too. Like I was kind of hoping they would leave that for a little bit longer. They, I, I agree with you, Kermit. I think it's too soon. Like it does resemble his father a lot. They could have played that a lot longer. Maybe a movie or two down the road replaces I, but I just feel like it was way too soon. Way yeah. too soon. And I love the new axe. I love Stormbreaker. Oh, Shout yeah. out. That's Beta Ray Bill's Beta hammer, Ray right? Bill's, Beta yeah. Ray, new axe. Yeah, yeah, Beta Ray Bill's hammer. I wish Thor got a new costume design. I wish he would have came down in like all gold or some shit, like Odin type armor. Because even when um even when Peter Dinklage says, um, you know, it's a weapon for a king, it could summon the Bifrost, it's way more powerful than anything we've ever made. Mm-hmm. I expected Thor to show up clad in like gold looking just like odin and shit like just have like a badass redesign like fit for a king or something like that. kind of like what happened in aquaman when he gets his (laughs) yeah no like no jokes aside but yes kind of like that like why you bring that back up (laughs) aquaman's a cinematic masterpiece um (laughs) of trash saying that again uh don't throw trash in the ocean um but uh yeah i that's that's one grab i have but um like i said before one of my favorite scenes is when he shows up in wakanda and bruce banner's like oh you're all screwed now and he 
fucking kills everybody. But well, yeah, he's got oh, Groot with him and Rocket on the shoulder. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Great shot. But like one thing that I am interested in is I, you know, a lot of theories about this new one is that it looks like they're gonna re-roll in time. How far back they're gonna go? Yeah. You know, yeah. If they yeah. go at all, but. Like, this whole movie, like, their whole team seems scuffed from the get-go. Like, Captain America and Iron Man never reconciled. Uh, he never became really Captain America again. Uh, you know, Hulk never showed up. Like you said, Thor didn't... Sh- if this was, like, the final one, yes, Thor probably would have shown up in his badass new armor, whereas he was just sort of, like, make or break, just barely crossing the finish line type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's why I'm... Yeah, I'm really interested to see if, like, that fits the aesthetic of if they're gonna, like, sort of re- redo the time thing on this. Yeah, and, and because you have all the different factions, you, you never see all the heroes together. Mm-hmm. So I think that's also a lot of the gripe is, like, oh, you know, you know, you have everybody in this movie, but they're never all together at once and I, I feel like yeah you, you couldn't have that because then it'd be it'd be the finale kind yeah. of yeah oh yeah and that was the other big thing Asgard and uh, all the Asgardians and Loki died right off the bat so yet another reason why it feels like a real big reset's gonna happen well it's implied I think half are saved yeah half of them are alive yeah, yeah. In the oh in the ship it's implied that yeah. half, uh, half of them oh wait like, he does drop that kind of line yeah, doesn't Valkyrie, he yes. Valkyrie and Korg got away with half of the Asgardians when Thanos attacked right yeah. he does drop that line yeah so uh, one gripe I will add so every time I see it it always bothers me. What the hell happened to Scarlet Witch's fucking accent? All of a sudden, she's had this super thick... Same thing that happened to Storm's accent in <laughs> X-Men. It, it just fucking you know. disappeared. It always... It's, it's so, like, just... I'm glaring. happy about that. Oh, I'm, of course. I'm happy about yeah, that. Of course. I thought it was terrible in Ultron. I thought it was terrible. I mean, they, they shouldn't have had it from the get-go, but then you have two movies where it's glaring, it's there, and then all of a sudden it just disappears. I just, like... it just And it's so noticeable, so I'm like, okay... No fun facts? No, you guys already took them all. I mean, you, Dom, TJ, Jesus Christ. Like, the hashtag wow. of this episode is sorry, Jason. Be better. <laughs> One last thing I will add. Well, here we uh, go. So I, so I was the only, probably the only guy in our group. So we saw it opening night. So I actually dressed up for um, the Infinity War opening. I dressed up as Spider-Man. If I knew what was going to happen to him in the film, I would have like brought maybe just, like some dust and like <laughs> slipped out like and then, <laughs> left the mask behind on the seat <laughs> just left like left like some dust on the we seat should have like, brought like a broom and then just like swept you up yeah, into a yeah. dustpan or something just look over to the left and it's just like nothing I'm like where'd he go so our next movie we got ant-man and the wasp uh released july 6 2018 and directed by peyton reed it stars paul rudd evangeline lily michael peña walton goggins bobby cannavale or cannavale i'm sorry bobby i don't know how to say your name mm-hmm. judy greer T.I., David Dasmalchin, sorry David, I don't know how to say your name either, Hannah John Kamen, uh, Abby Ryder Forston, Randall Park, Michelle Pfeiffer, Lawrence Fishburne, and Michael Douglas. 88% of critics liked it, giving it an average score of 6.96 out of 10. 76% of the audience liked it, giving it a 3.8 out of 5 average. Uh, the budget was $130 million. It made $75 million. It's opening weekend. Its domestic gross was $216 million, and it made $623 million worldwide. Thoughts on Ant-Man 2 and the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> this movie was crowded with poor villains. I, that's the thing I got to get off the bat. I love how they did it, get, finally get to see the Wasp in action. More of the quantum realm. because it, it was That was touched, a big deal. Yeah, movie, that was a yeah. big deal. It would kind of explain what we would expect from Endgame, but it still kind of left things kind of mysterious. So. so I would even say like the major villain is really like more like an anti-hero. I think that's sort of a theme in Phase 3. I also appreciated that, again, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, women coming to the forefront. Uh, I know that Ghost in the comics was male. Male, they correct, switched right? roles, yeah. Uh, so I did read that. Um, oh, look at you going. There you go. Yeah. 
Look at me with that knowledge. Um, so, like, changing her into, into or changing that character into a female, I thought was a good choice. You kind of sympathize with Ghost as a human who's sort of affected by this ailment mm-hmm. caused by the quantum realm or whatever. Um, and then, of course, the Wasp is a female hero as well. Uh, has a lot of scenes on her own where she's she's not really reliant on Ant-Man. Uh, she does her own thing as well. So I appreciated that from this film. Yeah, I'm going to just say right off the bat, like, Wasp kicks ass in this movie. Oh, for sure. She got the best fight scenes and everything. Um, I mean... I think Bling, you said it. This movie's kind of overstuffed, and it's it's like a bit sloppy here and there. Yeah, I feel like there are a lot of things that don't matter. I mean, I would love the focus to be more on Ghost trying to save herself and keep herself alive. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that this restaurant guy is trying to get their lab for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Like, I that whole part does not matter to me. Um, one of the things I do like, though, I do like that we see the continuation of kind of what happened with Civil War where Scott's under house arrest right. and he's trying to save his relationship with his daughter. That was my favorite part of the they're, first film. They're referencing, right? Like, yeah. like hey, this is why, because you did this. You know, I thought that was yeah, the coolest that's why thing. He's, yeah. That's why he's on yeah. house arrest. Yeah. They but, mention it multiple times. Yeah, but I do like, um, I do like uh, the father-daughter aspect. And you know, once again, we talked in the first movie about it being fathers and daughters. Same thing here again. We've got Scott and Cassie. We've got um, Hank and Janet. And then we've got um, Ghost and, uh, God, what's Goliath's name? Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne, yeah. Yeah, we've got Lawrence Fishburne and Ghost. Um, So I I do think the side villain, Walton Goggins, right? That's his name? Yeah, Walton Goggins' character and his whole pursuit of their lab really takes away from what could have been a more meaningful film because I love I love the scenes with Cassie and Scott mm-hmm. where she gives him like the world's greatest grandma award mm-hmm. and you know how she like stole his stuff to give the presentation and I, I love the fact that he his whole motivation is getting off of house arrest so he can be a real dad with his daughter mm-hmm. and I feel like this movie takes away from that with the whole stupid side story yeah I, I do like that they didn't kill off Ghost's character, so that right. kind of maybe because it feels like she has redeeming qualities at the end, and we might see her in the sequel to you know the third uh, Ant Man and the Wasp movie, and I think she might even play like I said a, a more of a instead of being the villain, he's, they're going to be part of the same team. So yeah, because even in the end credits, the uh, first end credit scene when they're going to the quantum world, yeah. The, the quantum realm <laughs> when they're going to the uh, quantum realm um, they say like Michelle Pfeiffer's character does say like they're going to the quantum realm they're going there for the particles to help heal her yeah. like they're doing that for, for her. her so yeah. she's still around she's an ally Goliath is an ally so I, I do love that they left things open and kept characters around yeah. and see that's what I do like about Ant-Man and the Wasp that stands out to me uh, as opposed to the rest of the Marvel sort of franchises is that it is more adventure it is more fun it is more lighthearted, if you will whereas it's not just we have these huge totally evil bad guys zero redemption destroy the world destroy the city whatever whereas you know you have this interesting character of Ghost and her relationship with Goliath and uh, you know, her motivations are a little more self-preservation, which anyone can understand in that situation. It's something unique to me to the Ant-Man and franchise, which I do like that they're going as just something different, like an alternative sort to the others, if you will. Is it as lighthearted as the first one, though? <sighs> I, I, I don't, like think, the, I don't I think, think the villain is heavier in the first one. Yeah. I don't think Paul Rudd is as lighthearted 
in the first. I feel like this is relying more on the. the This is relying more on the gags. I feel of like his blowing up and getting smaller, and like his he's stuck to the size of a child and things like that. Like now that they've introduced this world, they can be more liberal with the sort of the suit and the abilities. I feel like it's doing more of that. So you are losing some of the Paul Rudd charm, if you will, just in line delivery and acting. Yeah, I just felt like with Ant Man, like the first one, like it was so lighthearted. It was so filled with comedy and jokes, and you know we know Paul Rudd like it's Paul Rudd. Yeah, yeah, you know all the Judd Apatow stuff that he does and like everything like that like he's he's a great he's a great actor and it's like he brought a lot of that just kind of like humor and I don't know if I lost some of it I mean there is humor in it but I don't know if it's necessarily from him I, I agree I think to your point like Jason uh, the, the first one was a fun ride and there was a humor was there and it was like it was more lighthearted and even the, the missions he was doing but in here it's I don't think he, it has that same magic as the first one okay so one of the reasons and I feel the exact same way you guys do I feel like this movie kind of misses on a lot of notes the humor is not the same we all know that this movie is definitely more child friendly in this movie we pointed out in the first one that Ant-Man felt very adult because it felt like a Judd Apatow or Adam McKay movie you know what I'm saying so it felt it felt more mature the jokes yeah. were adult we even I think I even said like I think it had the most cursing at the time of any Marvel movie Ant-Man did? Ant-Man the oh, first yeah. one yeah um, but Adam McKay did not write this movie Adam McKay oh. was around for the first Ant-Man movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he he wanted to come back and do some writing for this, but I guess, you know, something happened where he couldn't do it. I think he did the big short or he was oh. doing a Vice. So okay. maybe that's why he couldn't do it, maybe. Got it. Okay. But Peyton Reed definitely did take over this film and he really did kind of instead of taking over for Edgar Wright, he was a part of this film from its inception all the way up until, you know, its end product. So I think that has a lot to do with Adam McKay not being present and you miss a lot of Edgar Wright's touches on the film, I think. I mean, I just, you could see a definite difference just in the humor The level. tone of the movie is more serious. Yeah, which is not necessarily bad, but I just feel like it's just different. It's just a different tone. Like I felt like Ant-Man, the first one, just like, like, like Bling was saying, it's a fun ride. Like it's just, it's hysterical. It's funny. There's jokes left and right. And then this one, it's... There, there are jokes, and like I said, it's not necessarily with Paul Rudd. Like uh, uh, Michael Pena, is that his name? Yeah, he makes a lot of jokes as well. Um, it it kind of adds the levity. It kind of keeps on the same level, but it's just not directly from Paul Rudd. I just, I, I noticed that, and I think that's why I kind of like the first one a little bit better than this one, even though it is good. They're both really good, but that was a definite difference I noticed. I know Dominic, you had issues. You talked about this before with. Um Paul Rudd's character Scott Lang kind of feeling sidelined compared to the rest of the story not necessarily Scott Lang more so Ant-Man the the hero itself like him and him in suit I was like we didn't get more of his badass like scenes like him being a hero it's more like you know the wasp is just like kicking ass which is perfectly fine with me but it's just like we only saw Ant-Man shrink and have defects with a suit I'm just like okay he didn't get no real time to shine. It's like a like. gag instead of actually yeah, being yeah, the yeah. hero. Yeah. Like the whole scene at the, his uh, child's school. Like, yeah, you can't get the suit right. You know, kind of speaking on Ghost character, um, I feel... Okay, Let's. I'm, I'm just going to call it. Isn't Ghost just Tracer from Overwatch? <laughs> <laughs> like, she's she's Tracer from Overwatch, and she needs fucking Winston the Gorilla to give her a suit so she could stay in our dimension. Who, who is that? It's a video game reference. Okay, just making yeah, sure. Yeah. I was like, who, who met who and yeah. where? Whom? <laughs> Whom? And why? Why is Gamora? I thought she was a great villain. <laughs> no, I thought she was great, but yeah. it's just like the concept is like very similar. I like, like she, and don't get me wrong, she did get a lot of backstory. She did get a lot of attention, which I liked, but I felt like I could have used more. Like um, when she was going through her whole... 
uh, they raised her to be an assassin and everything. That felt kind of ru- like a, a quick rush to quick sort of cameo. Like one scene, she's 10. Next scene, she's like 20. The next, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like I could use more of seeing her sort of suffer or seeing her turmoil, if you will. To You want a flashback, of, like right. better flashbacks? Yeah. I'm also right. not like, a fan of like, like we villains just like saying their backstory right like, like she just explained like like we were saying i could have used not. less time with this of this third yeah. villain who was trying to capture the lab to give her more time to develop her more but again i do like they didn't throw her away that they sort of saved her for more shenanigans i mean overall like i did have fun watching it um to me it's kind of throwaway but i i had been waiting to see evangeline lily as the wasp since ant-man one. Oh yeah, yeah I, 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 think I think we all were yeah, yeah. I, I loved her and lost i loved it does anyone watch Lost? No. No. No one? Oh, my. She's great. No. Bro. Yeah, oh, guys, bro. Lost is great. Sorry, bro. That reference is lost on me. <laughs> oh, no. Can I, can I bring up one thing, though? I think the end credit scene on this movie is, I mean, I don't know how else to describe it, but wow. I mean, it's, it's pretty so cool, dude. Valid. You're like, whoa, what yeah, the fuck? Another dude. one bites the dust. Yeah. It's- oh! <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're. I think you're 100 right. The end credit scene was badass. If you yeah. want more relevant ones too, yeah. yeah if right. you want an end credit scene that's like very like scary and like haunting, like I remember, I was in the theater, a lot of kids there Thursday because this is like aimed at kids now. And, you know, we talked about that earlier, but you have a good time. They're at the drive-in watching the movie on the miniature screen or whatever. He's back with his daughter. He has a girlfriend now. The Wasp and him are together, and then to end with like him stuck in the quantum realm and then the whole Pym family is disintegrated scary as hell and I think even more scary is when it shows San Francisco and it's empty San Francisco is completely nobody is around and then you just hear the the ant playing drums by himself that's some scary ass shit like it's like really scary to go from like you almost forget about Infinity War while you're watching this movie and then when the when the first and second end credit scene come on the entire happy uplifting feeling you had at the beginning of the movie during the entire movie is gone and like you're brought back to reality real quick like fuck we we still got shit to deal with <laughs> yeah quick question how did you feel about michelle pfeiffer and her role i loved Man, I her. Love I, her i really I liked it i, I, I love liked michelle it pfeiffer. i, I love that they cast her i love this it's almost out of nowhere you know totally random now she michelle also Pfeiffer's looks in. great yes yeah. she, she has that she looks yes, really good she, her role was great i love seeing her and hank interact i love that they yeah. brought her back and just the future potential of what she can do especially now with the quantum realm i yeah i thought it was great a couple things i didn't see the first film but i did read that i guess there's a part in the first film where Janet, you, you kind of see her in a suit and there was not an actual person there. They CGI'd it or whatever. But I guess the directors at the time said the eyes, which you could see, they wanted them to look like Michelle Pfeiffer's eyes. And then later on, she was cast as actual Janet, which I thought was pretty cool. And then also, um, Paul Rudd sort of channels Janet in one scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I really didn't think was that great. I guess the idea in the beginning was to have Michelle Pfeiffer act that scene out and then let Paul Rudd reenact it as she did. Ultimately, they decided that Paul Rudd could do a, a fine job just kind of that's doing debatable. it on his own. Yeah, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't that good. I think that missed the mark, but you know that's just my perspective. Worst part of the movie. I think yeah, uh, yeah, what I think happened right. is that they wrote themselves into a corner and then that was the only way to write themselves out. Like just have having a Michelle Pfeiffer like take over his body and just pretty much dump exposition on top of everybody. Yeah. I would have liked it better if they kind of figured that out on their own through like clues she's leaving in the quantum realm. Mm-hmm. 
also take away the entire subplot with the restaurant guy, yeah. Walter Goggins, and spend more time on ghosts, spend more time on Michelle Pfeiffer, because we have some serious shit to deal with, mm-hmm. and this guy just wants a lab for what? Well, because again, it makes it like the Avengers film of where it has the ticking clock that you don't have, another, again, like Back to the Future, there's always a ticking clock, it's adventure, it's fun, you know, some of the Indiana Jones films, but in this one, very much, like now all that adds to it. But Are we knocking... Paul Rudd's like acting ability here. I no, mean, I'm not well, talking about his think, acting. You just, you just didn't like it at all. No, I'm saying this. I'm saying like that. The I scene. Feel, yeah, like the the idea. It, it didn't work to me. I was like, what the fuck doesn't going work? On right now? It yeah, takes it doesn't me completely work. out of the movie. Like, also, I yeah. think I do think that Paul Rudd kind of plays it as sort of like a stereotypical female, girl, yeah. like yeah, female. Like yeah. I don't think Michelle Pfeiffer would have played it. The, the way the way, way he did, yeah. Like yeah. he was very like you know like flared oh, wrist, like yeah, it was just like holding no hands weird. Yeah. yeah, like isn't this funny? This man's acting like a woman. How right. silly! Yeah. yeah, it just seemed it just took me out of it for a sec. But yeah, the comedy whatever. in this movie is very different from the first one. I don't feel like it's as smart or hits as hard. I feel like it's very like childish. You know, it's a kids movie, but kids aren't stupid either. Like, mm-hmm. be a little smarter with the humor. I don't know. That's just me. They're but. just trying too hard. I feel like they're trying to yeah. meet that level of the first one because I think the first one, like Ant-Man, again, another very obscure character. Mm-hmm. People are not expecting this movie to be anything. And so when it actually is really good, now the second one, I feel like they're trying really hard to like meet that same like comedy humor level and they just it's, it's kind of a miss to me. One thing I did like is Michael Pena's character when he's like, hey, we need, where's the Ant-Man at? And he has to go through his long... The truth serum. serum. Yeah, yeah, the truth serum. I think that's They, they the actually added the that because they knew from the first film that they wanted something like that to happen. They didn't want to repeat themselves, so they thought like squaring them up with that restaurant villain, whatever his name was, uh, would would be what? a good opportunity to Just do that. To- isn't he like a black market dealer? He just finds whatever people yeah, need I and they give so. him at a price. Why is he a restaurant villain? Like he's like an evil. Because cook. he like owns a restaurant, or he was in a restaurant, restaurant when we yeah. saw him. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he even says he has like health code violations and other things like that. I mean, we it's we have the reference because we don't even know what his. Name, I don't even remember what his name was. It was such a. Until you said that he sold yeah. black market materials, I totally forgot. Like, the restaurant is the only thing memorable about his character. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really only because the wasp ran across the knife. Right. Like that's all. Yeah, that's all because it, it leads into one of the best fight scenes of her going back and forth, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that fight scene with her uh, at the restaurant in the kitchen, and then also the uh, the fight scene uh, going down the hills in San Francisco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was sick, how she was, like, jumping in and out. When, yeah. Go, when Go showed up for the first time in that scene, I thought it was amazing, especially because wasp is, like, such as top female fighter, kind of assassin, if you will, and then like Ghost kind of has her on her toes. Like it definitely right after that scene where you see her kick ass, and now Ghost is kind of pushing back at her. Like it's yeah, it's great. The last movie we're going to talk about today is Captain Marvel, released March eighth, twenty nineteen, and directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. It stars Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, Jaman Hansu, Lee Pace, Lashana Lynch, Gemma Chan, Annette Bening, Clark Gregg, and Jude Law. 78% of critics liked it, giving it a 6.77 out of 10 average. 56% of the audience liked it, giving it a 2.8 out of 5 average. The budget was $152 million. It opened to $153 million. Its domestic gross is currently at $374 million, and its worldwide gross at the moment is at $1 billion. Thoughts on Captain Marvel? I gotta throw it out there. I have not seen it. It's in the theaters, right? Jason, have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it yet. So just, I'm going to sit this one out. Who has seen it? I've seen yeah, it. Let's, let's go yeah, to yeah, I've seen it. I saw it opening. Okay, Everyone so. except Jason and Mugga. Okay, so you saw it too. You saw it. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. annoying. It didn't no, really kidding. give me anything to marvel at. <laughs> that was Four to fun. three, Croyd. Four, <laughs> Four to three. Four to three. 
Um, so I enjoyed the film. So I, I did enjoy Captain Marvel, but the, I didn't enjoy it because Brie Larson was great in the film. I, I think, I don't know, her character was... Bland. Yeah, I guess that's what you could say. It was kind of bland. I don't know. It just, it was, I enjoyed the film. I, I enjoyed the action. I enjoyed the, well, somewhat character development, but I don't know, it's some Brie Larson's acting or her, her portrayal. I don't know. They just, it wasn't a great film because of her, you know, her character. Like, I can understand why they did it, but I feel like she came off very robotic a lot of times. And I felt like they tried to counteract that with her sort of, you know, cuteness or quirkiness for, you know, with her interactions with Jude Law's character. She's told that, like, that was fun to see. But yeah, a lot of times the rope, I don't know, just the roboticness kind of felt weird to me. Even though, I, again, I can understand why they did it with the whole sort of loss of identity, mind washed like two times type of thing, uh, which is relevant to the character. Yeah, I think um, I appreciate that. And we talked about this earlier, but I think in the hands of better directors or better writers, that would have played off a lot more. I know Brie Larson's a great actor. I've seen her in a ton of other stuff, but I felt like it was very robotic in this, but like it didn't feel like it was robotic with intent. Like as somebody who's had their mind wiped, has essentially been turned into this uber powerful alien soldier, I like the fact that she's kind of robotic in the way she interacts with humankind. I appreciate that. What I don't appreciate is the fact that she has like this, you know, snarky wit, is cracking jokes, kind of insulting people, all that other stuff. She already kind of has that wit about her. So her physical, the way she's portrayed physically doesn't really ever match her attitude because like when she's with the Kree, she's cracking jokes. When she is fighting against Jude Law in the training center, she's making jokes. She, she has a humorous side already. So the robotic way she kind of stands or moves kind of doesn't work well with that. Like I could feel like if she came off as a stiff to begin with, then I could see the robotic kind of stance and the way she like moves or whatever as being part of the character. But it never felt like it was part of the character. I never felt like she needed to be robotic, like yeah. physically. I felt like I felt like she was just fine, you know, being the quirky joke character. I, I thought she was cool that way. Yeah, like maybe if she got her humor back more as the movie developed, as she was becoming more of her old self type of thing. No, I, I felt she was humorous from the beginning. No, I, I'm saying if they had gone that way, where she started off more stoic, and then, yeah, you I know think, what I mean? And yeah. then towards the end, you know, when she's back to Earth, when she reunites with her best friend and yeah. uh, her kid, and then she starts to get more towards back to her old self, I think maybe that would have been a better sort of way to go about it. Yeah, I think a better creative team would have ran it that way. And I do, and I very much like Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. I liked her in this movie. I liked her look. I like the, she's selling the action and everything. It's just, yeah, like you said, maybe in the hands of better directors, it might have translated better. That, yeah, that's just how I feel about it. Um, and I think there are a lot of things that are kind of, I don't know, just um, not given enough attention. You know, we talk about Thanos. We talk about Ghost, you know, needing a flashback. I feel like flashbacks play such an integral role in this film. And um, I feel like I needed more because we go all the way back to when she's a child, a teenager, interactions with what seems like her brother, uh, you know, her father kind of berating her at the the racetrack and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. I would have liked that the more time she spent on Earth, the more real her flashbacks got. I feel like after she gets to um, the bar and she sees herself playing Street Fighter with karaoke and all that other stuff, okay. I feel like after seeing her picture at Pegasus headquarters for S.H.I.E.L.D., I wish after seeing her picture, flashbacks would have got way more intense and more frequent because the movie starts off with the flashback. I'm expecting flashbacks to be an integral part of the storytelling, and I feel like you kind of lose that once she gets to Earth. I feel like they stop. 
and they're not as important after the the scrolls kind of get the information from her as far as the location of uh, Marvel. Yeah, because I mean, it start, it's the film kind of portrays her as hey, this girl she has amnesia, she has no idea who she is. She feels like she has a life on this planet, but she can't put things together, and it kind of slowly unfolds. It, it, to your point, I think it would have made more sense once she starts seeing these things that kind of are familiar to her, all of a sudden, some of her memory starts coming back and it keeps, it becomes more, you know, it, it grows because she's, like say, interacting with things that were part of her past. I think they missed that point. Definitely, definitely agree. Um, I feel like these flashbacks were m- more meant to show her sort of fail, like a discouraging, and they did. Um, and it really wasn't towards the end that you saw, her, like the rest of the flashback, you saw her get back up, you saw her determination, and it tied into, you know, what was relevant happening. And I thought that was good. I thought I did enjoy that of, you know, of she's a hero, not because she's the best, but she's the hero because she never gives up. She's a hero because she gets back up no matter how many times she's been knocked down. I still would have liked to, like what you guys are saying, I've seen more sort of development of the flashbacks as opposed to that. Going back to the flashbacks, I feel like a lot of those scenes of her falling and getting up were filmed just for the sake of having that sequence right right yeah it feels like it was all for that little thing yeah it's just like I thought it was a good sequence though oh i loved it like yeah. visually i think it's very powerful but i i feel like a lot of that stuff was shot just because they had the idea and not because all those flashbacks were like interwoven at key points in her being on earth as well as being interwoven with key points in her previous life right like why why are these times important to the story as opposed to this little scene they're trying to paint yeah i feel like a lot of those are kind of throwaway and they weren't like used to the best of their ability so maybe that's it like it's good ideas and everything it's just not flowing organically yeah i i I feel like there's a lot of cool stuff and people had a lot of great ideas but i feel like as far as like making them work and having them be of more substance i guess things are probably lost on me you know what i'm saying but I, I feel like they didn't hit as hard as like they would have under like a better creative team, maybe. Not to diss the creators of this movie. I like the movie, but I feel like be a little more, go go a little further with it, I guess. Yeah, because I, I mean, yeah, I think it should have been like, a lot of those scenes should have been like something that triggers it. And all of a sudden you see, you maybe see a longer cut of that scene. So it kind of had... You know, it builds relevance. And then when you get that montage at the end, you're like, oh, this, everything's now piecing together. And then miraculously, she remembers everything now. And the other thing, too, is like um, you see her family in flashbacks and then she has a positive interaction with her brother from one of the flashbacks. She's looking up at the stars and all that other stuff. But like we never see any of her family. We yeah. see Maria Rambo, her best friend. <laughs> and that's it. I do love her reaction when she's like, I don't even know who I am when she's talking to um, Talos. Yeah, I, I do like that. But I feel like there's not enough trauma for somebody who has had their life taken away from them and all of a sudden all this stuff is coming back. I feel like I didn't catch the feeling of that from from any character. I kind of feel like Maria Rambo played it well. Just like, hey, you know what? You're back. I'm on board. I believe you. I feel that's fine. But I feel like for my main character, I would like a little more of that. And I kind of feel bummed out that we don't like after we find out she's from Earth. Like, we just downplay that to end the movie. We got to end the movie, so let's not even address that anymore. It's just like, yeah, I'm from Earth now. It's just like, no, no, no. Like, we got to fucking talk about, (laughs) like, your family. Does your family think you're dead? Even though you didn't have a relationship with them, they kind of write it off like, you didn't like your family, so you're with us now. Even though you clearly showed her having a positive interaction with, like, what seems to be her brother looking up at stars. Or even the negative interaction with her father would have been a great, like, area to, like, you know, visit that and see see him as, like, a monster or what what has ended up with this man. It it would give explanation, too, why she hasn't come back to Earth, you know, because this is a flashback movie that happened in the 90s so you know in all these Marvel films in the universe happened 
you know, the big question will always come up like, hey, you know, if you're from Earth, why haven't you showed up until the events that happened in Infinity War what, or Endgame? I'm sorry. I mean, they are going to, they, <laughs> they did, do, they, they do touch on it on yeah, the trailer. Yeah, they yeah, address Endgame. That, yeah. yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah. Like she told me, Rhodey, I thought they handled it. Really no, yeah. Well, that's but. the thing again. I always felt like the big question when I knew this movie was coming in the 90s was going to be like, where the hell was she? But yeah, like it's always one line of dialogue that I can address it. And it was, yeah, they executed it great in that trailer that we saw. And I think because she leaves at the end of this movie, like, all right, going with the scrolls now. It would have been nice to, like you said, Justin, to get closure or at least approach, you know, her, maybe he's an abusive father, you know, somebody, somebody from her family and not just her best friend and her best friend's kid. Because yeah, because if like she shows up and, you know, he's still like, you know, some alcoholic or whatever, and he's just like still scoffing at her, but that could have really played into her being what she is of the determined woman who never gives up in the face of adversity and like, you know, sort of thankful for you made me who I am, but now I realize I don't need you or, you know, that just some kind of more humane sort of tie in. Yeah. And you know, what about her mom? You know, like, is there a grave somewhere? Right. Did her parents die? Like give me some explanation before she just decides to go back into space after being on earth for 48 hours. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Although I did feel like it was a good reason for her to leave. Um, you know what I mean? That, that did feel like I I was on board with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm totally down with her leaving, but I think there needed to be some sort of closure or interaction with a previous life, like in the flesh. Right. To kind of address her being gone for what, six years. Yeah, Yeah. About that. Yeah, so she was gone from, what, 89, essentially, right? Yeah. 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 So, I don't know, but... Um, Yeah, and I really liked the... um, I liked the tie-ins they did with Ronan, with the Kree, with seeing that world more, especially with the hopes of seeing more Nova Corps and stuff in the future. I I enjoyed it. How did did you guys feel about his, uh, Ronan's sort of reprisal of that character? I love it because, you know, my big gripe with Guardians was that I don't care about Ronan. Or or Korath, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like, I want to know what they're so mad about, and I love the fact that if, you know, my predictions are correct, we'll get Captain Marvel 2 and 3 that takes place before Infinity War, Mm -hmm. so we will see the Kree-Skrull War, Mm -hmm. we'll see the war with um, Nova on Xandar, Mm -hmm. and we'll learn why Ronan is so pissy in Guardians. So I love that they're doing that. If they flesh out Ronan in the next couple Captain Marvel films... I can forgive how he's portrayed in Guardians because now I'll know why he's a radical. Yeah, like right. now I'll know why the Kree have disowned him. I also love the recasting, uh, picking up his role. Uh, what's the actor's name? Bijan? Uh, uh, Jaman Hansu. Jaman Hansu. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Again, another tie-in of organically where he's going to, you can see him ending up as one of Ronan's sort of uh, generals, if you will. So l- let me ask you guys, what do you think, because this movie does extensive use of it, the aging of oh. Samuel L. Jackson. I think, I thought it was very effective. Yeah, was I mean, yeah. I think they've they done do it, it they've they, done it a lot. Like Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Michael Douglas. Yeah. Uh, right. They did it. Uh, they did Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. They, they've yeah. done it um, Coulson whoever Coulson yeah, is whatever character. his name but I mean it um, this is the entire you know, movie they just do the entire <laughs> movie though I thought it was really done, well yeah. done and like very convincing and I read that they actually looked at Samuel L. Jackson's films with, that he filmed when he was younger and used those films as reference to figure out how to de-age him and how his face should move and what he should look like and I thought that was like really incredible because again We've seen it before where it's been in like flashbacks or it's been in pieces of like movies. Like small pieces, yeah. Small this segment, was the like entire film. film. I'm like, and I thought it was really well done. And and I still don't, I mean, whatever they're using, I need some. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't even like notice. I completely forgot like they were de-aging. You forget the it, whole yeah. Honestly, the best compliment I can give is I didn't even think about it yeah. because it's so, it's so smooth. Black don't crack, man. <laughs> but you get your eyes scratched out. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't like that Goose uh, cut out his eye. I didn't like that. Yeah, it was a that's a little scene. bit of a, yeah. a letdown because, you know, we thought for this whole time 
he lost his eye in some epic way. Yeah. Badass yeah. I'm like, oh, way. this cat just scratched it out. Yeah. Also, this cat who liked you yeah. in the beginning. Anyone that owns cats knows when they start growling like that, you don't push. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, going back to a Winter Soldier, he says, hey, last time I trusted somebody, I lost an eye. So... You talk about a cat? Yeah, the cat yeah. did it. You trusted a cat? Yeah, don't yeah. don't don't <laughs> trust Goose. You trust issues movie. with a cat now? <laughs> yeah. I also like that this movie didn't follow a similar format that we've seen in other Marvel films. A lot of other Marvel films, when you think about it, it's you meet someone, they find their powers, or, or you figure out how they come to power, mm-hmm. they fight a bad guy, and then they win. And this movie, she already kind of starts out with her powers intact. She just doesn't know where they came from. And so those flashbacks that we talked a lot of shit about earlier, uh, I think they lend to the storytelling in that it's all sort of retrospective in the fact that we don't know who she is. We're trying to figure out as she's figuring it out. I really appreciated that because I think it's different than what we've seen from the MCU in movies past. No, I agree. You saying that, like, yeah, in retrospect, that was a very fresh blueprint, if you will, compared to the other sort of Marvel movies. Uh, One of the things I did like, though, um, there's the entire uh, story with her powers. And I kind of, you know, I'm a guy, I'm speaking from a guy's perspective. You know, I'm not going to speak for any of the women listening out there, but I feel like her powers are very emblematic of uh, female identity, I guess. Because at multiple times throughout the movie, we talk about, you know, this was given to you, it can be taken away. This was given to you, it can be taken away. In her last fight with Jude Law, it's like, prove to me that you can fight me without your power. And, you know, prove to me that you're worth something to me. And the entire movie, it's a bunch of people constantly judging her, putting her down, saying she's not worthy, telling her what can be given can be taken away. And Based on emotion, like we always talk about how women aren't emotional and they try to use that as a weakness. And mm -hmm. I feel like she's like, nah. Yeah. And even Nick Fury tells her like using your emotions is fine. You know, if you're emotional, that's fine. Sometimes you got to use your gut. You can't just be logic. You can't just be a robot all the time. Getting back to our earlier point, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it would have been more effective for her to be somebody to make it more apparent, to make it more noticeable that she's struggling with containing her emotions, according to the Cree. Mm -hmm. The Cree want her to be emotionless. The humans, they're all cool with it. You have the uh, the contrasting views of. Samuel Jackson's character Nick Fury and Jude Law's character um, uh, Jan Rog. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Jan Rog is all about telling her not to be herself. He owns her. Your power doesn't belong to you. And Nick Fury is just like, yo, you got powers? That's tight. And I'm glad you used your gut. I'm glad you trust me. I completely trust you. Be yourself. Let's find out who you really are. Embrace, you know, brace all this stuff. And one of my favorite lines in the movie, um, because we're talking about her powers kind of being representative you know, I would assume as female identity. I love the fact that in the very last fight with Jan Rog, he says, let's do this. He puts his weapons away. He like throws his, his fists up and he's like, let's do this. Prove to me that you can beat me. Prove to me without your powers. Now's the time. I always knew this day would come. And then she just blasts him into a rock. <laughs> and I love, I love the fact that she walks up to him and says like, I don't have to prove anything to anyone. And I think that was a real powerful statement because let's be real, like women are constantly put down as far as oh, you hit like a girl, you yeah. fight like a girl, you, you run like a girl. This way. Yeah. Again, yeah. Like, as a, like as a ma- hetero man, or which is the only sort of thing I can speak to, like it's an insult to compare, like the biggest thing you do is to compare you to a woman because women are weak or, you know what I mean? That's the sort of yeah. underlying inherent insult. Yeah, so, Having emotion is weak. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or and, you cry like a girl or something like and that. And that's the thing. It's just like when, and you had the whole criticism, like uh, she wasn't smiling in the first trailer. So they released a second trailer with her smiling. Yeah. Or, um, and what, even that, I mean, 
insane. Yeah, it's just like Captain Whatever. America doesn't smile yeah. at all in right. any trailer. Like, yeah. and nobody said shit about but him. He's a man, so he's supposed to be stoic. Yeah, and then you right. talk about exactly. uh, you talk about the insults and being compared to women. Like, that's why pussy is an insult. That's why bitch is an insult. You know, that's why girly is an insult. You know what I'm saying? So, or it's just like when you want to emasculate somebody, you say, you know. Do you have a vagina down there or what? So many insults are derived from feminine. Yeah, Yeah, femininity. Yeah, Yeah, it's just so. Not only that, but like also before anybody even saw this movie, Rotten Tomatoes had like a really low score. They actually had to change how they allow people to vote or rate the films. Because because people um, game the system and they thought that this movie was an attack on men or they thought that it was too liberal because there was a woman hero or whatever. So people started like voting this movie really low before they had even seen it, you know. And again, it kind of goes back to the the whole point that you were just talking about, Carwin, of anything as feminine is seen as less than, which is obviously an insane concept, but that's kind of where we are. Well, yeah, yeah it's the sad truth of how far we've come. Yeah. Um, there's always the, you know, the push of, like, uh, equal opportunity, if you will, or, like, we need to have more women in this just because we need to even it up, or we need to have... I always feel like movies are art, right? Movies are a vision, or what they're supposed to be. An art form, like a painting or, like, a song. Whatever the artist is trying to portray, that's what I want to see. Whatever that artist's vision is. And especially if it's, you know, a good artist, then it'll be something that's really a great value. I have nothing wrong with a strong female character. Kill Bill, Uma Thurman, I mm-hmm. want this sold as the world's deadliest assassin. I believe it. You know, she's getting she's getting hit. She's getting messed up, but she's also dishing it back out. Like, right. that action. We're talking about the female warriors in Wakanda. I'm believing it because that was the vision. It was supposed to be that way, whereas it's nothing shoehorned in. And not that I have any problem with that or, you know, even as we're saying, we've only come so far as a culture because to us as men, in compared to women, is an insult. And yeah, that is an unequal thing that does need to be adjusted going forward. I don't have any problem with it. And that, uh, Captain Marvel, I thought, fit that bill as well of less strong female. Like, I love it. I love the theme of, like, she's knocked right. down, but she gets right back up. And she's arguably the most powerful character, like, in the Marvel Universe right now. Like, I have zero problems with that. I, I just hate when the sort of political atmosphere gets too involved or, like, too many men are too afraid. So right away start down bombing it. Or right. Just ridiculous things. Of, like, all you have to do is see her flying in space when she's supercharged. And tell me that's not a money comic shot right, right. there. That's right out of the damn comics I am so on board that looks so good especially with a little mohawk trojan thing going with her helmet it looked amazing yeah so kind of getting into what we're talking about right now um, there was and there still is controversy uh, surrounding fans and comments made by Brie Larson during her speech at the Women in Film Crystal and Lucy Awards Uh, In her speech, she mentioned a study in which in 2017, only 2.5% of top critics were women of color and 80% of film critics were all male. She made the specific comment that, quote, I don't need a 40-year-old white dude to tell me what didn't work about A Wrinkle in Time, Larson said. It wasn't made for him. I want to know what it meant to women of color, biracial women, to teen women of color, citing that the target audience of the film was women of color and girls of color. She goes on to say, quote, am I saying that that I hate white dudes? No, I'm not. What I'm saying is, is if you make a movie that is a love letter to women of color, there is an insanely low chance that a woman of color will have the chance to see your movie and review your movie. Uh, She called on publicists and publications to widen the pool of critics that get invited to festivals, screenings, and press junkets in order for reviews of films to more closely match and reflect the population of the people actually watching them. 
Her comments were met with a ton of backlash from fans who felt that she, and by hiring her, Marvel and Disney were forcing diversity onto them. The same issue occurred with Black Panther, Wonder Woman, and the recent Star Wars films. Part of the backlash included review bombing, like we talked about, um, in which a group of people create an organized effort to leave large amounts of negative online reviews of a film in order to affect its box office numbers. Uh, it even got so far that people suggested to others that they go see Alita Battle Angel instead, which opened a week or so before. Other movies like Black Panther, The Force Awakens, and Last Jedi, along with Wonder Woman, were met with similar attacks before and during release, uh, with groups using the hashtags Down With Disney or Boycott The Force Awakens. In an interview with Inverse, the leader of a notable review bombing Facebook group mentioned in regards to Black Panther and The Last Jedi that they are a response to Disney's, quote, efforts to shove SJW social justice warrior messages down our throats and that minorities should stay that way, end quote. Uh, this and similar groups have gone on to target Solo, a Star Wars story based on its diverse casting, as well as Avengers Infinity War, with similar backlash being targeted at Ant-Man and the Wasp for including Wasp in the title and in the movie. This resulted in Rotten Tomatoes recently preventing users from leaving ratings on any film before its release. Uh, when the film did open, however, by Friday morning at 8am, it had a 33% audience rating with over 58,000 reviews which was more than the total that Infinity War had received during its entire time in theaters. Um, as of now, Captain Marvel has 81,753 audience reviews at 56%, and Avengers Infinity War only has 54,586 ratings. Um, there was also suspicion that Disney was padding theaters with false ticket sales, buying seats to Captain Marvel showings that nobody would show up to. Multiple people on social media, including theater workers across the U.S., shared similar stories of empty theaters, claiming that Disney was buying tickets to make up for any boycotts that would have resulted from the backlash of Larson's comments. Um, so any thoughts on any of the stuff we just kind of listed? I've heard some things about this movie. Like Again, I haven't seen it, and that's why I wasn't commenting much, but it was more that Disney was doing this. So there's... I don't know if you guys know, but there's like YouTube videos, there's social media posts of, you know, like Harkins or different theaters where you can go actually pick your seats. Mm -hmm. You know, families are going to watch it, you know, a family of five, and they notice there's only a handful of seats left. They buy their tickets, they go inside the theater, they're watching the movie, and it says the entire theater's sold out, and there's no one in this theater. And they're taking that. Again, I have not seen one of these videos. I just heard they exist. Yeah. I've heard of these. I mean, have you guys heard of anything about this? I mean, I know Kerwin kind of touched on it right now, but have you, like, Glenn, I, have you heard I, of honestly, it? Honestly, like I said, when I ever see a movie, I don't get into the politics. I like to say, I always base a movie on its face value, how it is. Like, And that's why I don't really get into reviews. I don't really get into ratings, especially for a film I want to see. So before all the controversy for this film, like, you know, regardless of that, I always like to see a movie at face value. So I was going to see this movie regardless. Regardless of the inflated box office, Disney buying tickets, or even the backlash that Brie Larson was going to get. Like, even if all that was true, I was still going to go see this movie. So I don't know if that play... I don't know if you guys feel the same way as well. No, like unbiased to form your own opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's an MCU film, so... Yeah, you're going to go see it. Yeah, if nothing else to keep the timeline going. No, I, I agree I agree with that. I just, I, I heard some of this, and then after her comments, too, I think some people were kind of put off by so it. Like people yeah. try and, to and twist it and take it to an yeah, extreme. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think that kind of, I don't know, it may have done better. Again, Captain Marvel, 
another obscure character. character yeah. So I don't know if that was part of it, but well, no, this is my my first time hearing her comments like word for word. But I don't see anything that outrageous about what she's saying. Everything she's saying makes sense. Like you make a rock song, you want to target it to rock audiences. You don't want a country reviewer, you know, right? Saying oh, this song is awful. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like no, every everything she's saying sounds perfectly normal. No, and I get that too. And I just think it's just me personally. I just think it's interesting that this got so much backlash because like. I was telling Kerwin a few minutes ago, it's just like you think of like uh, Resident Evil, you think of Underworld, you Alien, think Alien. There's, there's Princess Leia. Yeah, there, there's so well. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, Princess did, Leia. But it's more like there's there's these other movie, not even just movies, but franchises mm-hmm. that have strong female leads, and like I don't remember hearing half or any of backlash whatsoever about these. Now, granted. You're talking about Alien, that's way back before social media or the internet, but it's just now it's just there's there's so much and it's just it's just interesting that like all of a sudden okay now this I know and I know from uh Force Awakens there was backlash you know because of Finn and stuff like that and there was some of that but now it's like now, now just a female is it really because do, she's a female or do, is it because she's so obscure or is it do I don't know, know I'm just um, curious if Wonder Woman got this kind of Wonder treatment? Woman did get the same she did okay yeah. I don't remember hearing as much like on social media about it as as I did about Captain well I Marvel. think because MCU is also more Popular, I would assume yeah. that you, we, the voices would be larger. Yeah, but like, when you think about DC, like Wonder Woman is wasn't right it like there. Popular, like yeah, yeah. she's a very positive, po- okay. prominent player in the DC universe. Right. She's the top three. It's Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman. Like Captain Marvel. Top three. I don't know. Captain Marvel again. I don't know er- everything about. Do you think it was Marvel, because like maybe people felt like the agenda was so forced versus being just like a solid story. So, all right, a lot of the criticism with Brie Larson, and we'll get into Gal Gadot too, when Gal Gadot got cast as Wonder Woman, Beautiful. immediately attacked by a lot of people yeah. with a lot of men commenting like, her body's not right, she doesn't look this way, uh, immediately okay. attacking her physicality. She is a beautiful woman. She's, she's amazing. She, oh no, she's... She does that role so well. Yeah, and she I think she, I couldn't have asked for a better Wonder Woman. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, After she's my Wonder the Woman movie. all the way. But like, yeah, immediately attacking her looks, immediately saying a lot of things that um, a lot of male actors aren't attacked for. Like, you hire Chris Evans to be Captain America. He wasn't always ripped. He was skinny. Right. Chris Hemsworth was skinny. Chris Pratt was, you know... Fat. 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 <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, but nobody nobody ever attacked them. Right, like we absolutely. All, we all know that our male actors have to get in shape for these roles. What's to say that our female actors can't do the same thing? Right. Why are we immediately attacking them but not our male actors? And the other thing, too, like, Brie Larson's been getting attacked since she was cast. Before she made any of these statements before uh, she had interviews, before they showed footage, before the movie ever even came out. She was attacked the moment she was cast with people saying like, oh, she's not hot enough. Or I don't think she has the the physical likeness to who I'd want. Like they need to cast somebody like hotter, not even basing it on her talent, uh, not basing it on anything else, but immediately just attacking her image. I mean, that that negativity has been around for a while. But as far as, you know, Jason, you were saying earlier, like why now as opposed to the 80s and 90s where we had very strong female protagonists, it has to do with the timing. Um, because we talk about how now you see uh, racism is so, so much more... It, there's not more racism. It's the same amount of racism. It's more pronounced now. Yeah, you see it now. Like <laughs> more you can, blatant. Yeah. You can't. You can't hide that shit anymore. Right, like, the anonymity of the internet too. And yeah, comments, and people are you talking about more of a. Yeah, people feel validated uh, based on people in charge. Well, I feel like it's that. people feel validated uh, because they're on social media, and the the aspect of anonymity does make people feel safe enough to voice the kind of uh, you know pretty much 
lack of intellect type things they want to well, say. Yeah, and I feel like it's cowardice too. It's like that thing when you flip somebody off when you drive by. If you weren't in your car, you're walking past a person, are you still going to flip them off knowing that you might right. have to account for your actions? It, yeah, it's that same type of thing, I feel. That's a good analogy right there. Yeah, really I is. like I like it. I think I think you know what? Fuck the pun counter. I think Justin just won with that. Like I'm Game like, over. Yeah, you won. Um yeah, I, I think it has to do with a lot of the timing of things. You have uh times up with uh, sexual harassment in Hollywood and in other workplaces. You have the Me Too movement with people, uh, you know, men and women, everybody pretty much coming forward with uh stories of sexual harassment and sexual abuse by people mostly in the professional workplace. And you have uh, the entire pulling back of the curtain on Hollywood as far as showing people who have been constant abusers for decades and how they've used that position of power to influence basically the entire industry. We talk about how the notion that you can have a predominantly big budget black movie um, sell well with a wide audience, you know, that exists because of the systems that were put in place in Hollywood by those who held power, the idea that you can't have, you know, a movie with, you know, a large female cast that tackles issues or portrays women in a way that is not acceptable for the typical man or stereotypical way in which a man would like to see a woman portrayed. You know, you have a lot of those things. And I feel like because now we're changing, Hollywood at least is trying to change um, and add more diversity, whether it's, you know, uh, men, women, transgender, sexual orientation, right. uh, different races, different cultures. I feel like a lot of people that claim that people wanting diversity are sensitive, I feel like it's a lot of the sensitive people that are getting butt hurt because I, I'm gonna just say this, like, um, you know, when I was a kid, look, I'm only 30, but I, I remember growing up, it, and it wasn't that long ago, when you couldn't find a fucking black superhero to be for Halloween. Right. You had to be somebody with the mask. Right, because you're not going to find the Black Panther costumes 20 years ago in the stores. And even if there was a, a black character, they did not sell that costume. Right. Because it would not, you know, make money. So right. you had to make your own costumes, or you had to be a white dude for, for Halloween. And that's just what it is. And, like, it makes me so happy. Um, like, when Black Panther came out, it made me so happy because... Now I don't have to make my costume. Now I don't just have to be Lando when we talk about Star Wars. Like I can, I don't have to be a stormtrooper. I don't have to be a person with a mask. I can be Finn. Right. I can be, you know, I can be Falcon. I can be War Machine. I can be T'Challa. I can be Wakabi. I can be Killmonger. I can be all these characters. So like, it makes me so happy to know that little kids can be so many other characters. And you know that's important. A lot of people don't get that seeing yourself on screen is a powerful thing. And what, what is happening is that you have people who have, you know, and this isn't all of them, but you have very, uh, very bigoted, opinionated people who for the first time in their lives aren't seeing themselves on screen to a lesser degree. Like there's a ton of movies with white dudes in them, like, and they're all great. Like I have no knock against, you know, movies with white actors. Like they're some of the, some of my favorite movies got a white actor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, that's not a knock against that. But I think like some of these people are getting in their feelings because now they're not seeing themselves on screen anymore like they used to. And they think that's an attack on them. And, you know, my only response is like, you know, one, it's not an attack. And two, it's like, welcome to the club, man. Like, welcome to the club. Like, it wasn't until, you know, maybe over the last decade that I started seeing more black people on screen. It wasn't until the last decade that we've seen... Um, female-led productions. Right. Like, yeah, we can have a female star. Led but productions. Led yes, productions. Exactly. You have a female writer, female mm -hmm. director, female cinematographer, exactly. female um, uh, musicians, 
all that other stuff, female crew, you know, women aren't just relegated to roles like hair and makeup or the love interest anymore. And I feel like those people that that are really the overly sensitive people see that as an attack on them and they feel like they're being erased. And that's not the truth. The truth is that, you know, this is what society looks like. So movies, you know, moving forward, yeah, Yeah. movies are going to look what society looks like, not just what your bubble looks like. That would be the equivalent of me saying, I'm not going to see any movie that has has a white lead in it. No, that's not true. It's just like, but I do love that I'm seeing more black people in a lot of movies. And I'll still go see a Leo movie. I'll still see a Brad Pitt movie. I'll still see a Christian Bale movie. You know what I'm saying? Like some of my favorite actors are white, but I'm not going to take that as an attack on me. What I do feel like is an attack on me is the systems that are put in place to minimize opportunities for people who have been consistently oppressed for decades and centuries and are not given the equal opportunity or access to a career or a career path that will allow them to succeed and level the playing field for their individual peoples and culture moving forward into the future. And that's just what it is. Well said. Yeah, well said. Yeah, this is really good. Well said. Yeah. I want to bring up, uh, you talked about uh, the whole, all that stuff. Who was the director of Hurt Locker? That late, because that was a big deal, right? Uh, Catherine James Bigelow? Can't, can't, yeah, and I do great, right? That was a big deal. It was like, hey, she's nominated for Best Picture. Was it the first time a female director was ever, or am I wrong on that? I don't know. Didn't, um, but it was a great uh, movie. No, great movie. The, the woman that uh, direct, um, Patty Jenkins, did she win Best Picture for Monster, or was that just Best Actress for. Um, I don't think she I think it was she Best Actress. Just yeah. Best Actress? I think, I don't know. Okay. I know Sophia Cohen. Great, great, she, she, great, she, great she, job. She directed some films Love too, you to so. death, buddy. Yeah, I think the the issue is that like now, of course, people are uncomfortable with it because they're they haven't had to experience that before, right? But like you said, yeah, welcome to the club. Like this is what it's like. Uh, also, it seems weird to me that we would say phrases like "films should reflect society as we see it." Obviously, we live in California. We see society a lot differently than a lot of other people, but certainly they know that women exist, right? Like it's crazy to me that they're like, "Oh, there's a women superhero." Uh, yeah, they're like 50% of wherever you live, they're 50% of that. It just seems weird. It's not necessarily that people don't want to see women. I think it comes down to is like they don't want to see women portrayed in a way that they're not accustomed to seeing or would prefer to see them. Well, it's, they just write it off as it's just a male bashing. Oh, it's just a white bashing. Instead of coming at it with any kind of open mind. And a lack of open-mindedness is probably the most dangerous thing in our society. And, and, and I look probably. at it too. Like You can even argue why there's so much backlash because... They're taking everything from the source material. It's not like they're changing. Right, like the they're comic not books have existed. Yeah, for, they, they've yeah. existed since the sixties yeah. and the seventies. It's not like all of a sudden they're rewriting the entire the source material. Like that's why it's like, it just weirds me out. Like, why are you upset? This is from the comics. Like, this is not saying. Granted, they did maybe change a few minor things, but it's not like oh my well, yeah, god, they they're, they're they rewriting. The entire story. Like they didn't make Brie Larson suit a bikini like yeah. it would be in the comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's something so far-fetched. Right. And that's the thing, too, is like a lot of these people are using Alita Battle Angel as a way to say, like, see, we we like female movies. It's just like, no, you don't. You just want to attack this actor, and you're pitting her against another female-led film. Yeah. That's the tactic that a lot of people in power use. You know, let's put them against each other so we ain't got to deal with that. And that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a power tactic yeah. that people use. One sort of saving grace thing that I do feel is that when, like you said in those comments, uh, something to the effect of they're minorities and should stay that way, like as soon as I hear that, then I'm just like, oh, okay, this is 
a crazy person. This is an ignorant person. I okay, like, oh, I don't have to argue this. I don't have to debate this. Like, it would be like yelling at a wall. Like, oh, I can dismiss this. But it does scare me, like, the idea that is there a large number of these people? Like, we're, uh, we were talking about off mic, like, most of us from are from California. I don't know how many of you guys have spent time out of state. Like, is it more prevalent in other states? Is it more? Uh, bro, you it, drive, it you drive, you yeah. drive not to, a couple. Not to bash any other states. I'm like, I'm genuinely asking yeah. as someone ignorant of travel. No, you drive a couple miles north in California. Yeah, like, no, and it's like that. It's definitely. Yeah. There. Oh yeah, but it's just. But my worry is that is it a large number? Um, to kind of touch on what you know, Jason kind of pointed out with all the, the I guess, the negative press and thing. I don't know if it actually. The way I look at the two is sometimes negative press, sometimes good press. I mean, you could. I mean, any press I mean, is good press. Yeah, so any press is good press. Hats, does it seem like the? Yeah, because I mean, like I mean, it machine. seems like the movie did well at the box office. Oh, uh, a billion dollars. Yeah, and in, like you know, we've seen other movies where it's gotten terrible reviews, and you know. Batman vs Superman, Suicide Squad, and he still ended up doing well at the box office as well. So yeah. I don't, I don't think in any way this really hurt Captain Marvel because I think it did well. If anything, I think it galvanized uh, the masses to go see it and support yeah. it. Yeah, I like that. Do you want to get, same- get conspiracy theory? Do you think any of that's intentional? Do I believe that Disney is paying to fill those theaters? No, because I haven't seen any major news outlet. Reported. I've only seen it on like smaller Fringe, websites. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it on like smaller un- unaccredited websites. Do I think Disney or any studio is above it? Absolutely not. Right. I think, like, do you I think, think like one guy with thirty followers pub- uh, writes a racist tweet and a publicist finds that and blows it out of proportion? Like I to think push hype. I think that is a possibility, but I do not think that any studio is above doing what right. what people are claiming Disney to do. I don't think any studio is above it because at the end of the day, this is money we're talking. Like you got to make money. Like mm-hmm. or you you at least need to put forth the perception that you are making money. So like, do I do I personally think Disney did it? No, because I think this is a film and it's a call to action for a lot of women. You know, a lot of people that are feminists, a lot of people that believe in, you know, uh, women's rights, equality, etc. And I think that's what got a lot of people to see this movie the same way that we all saw Black Panther. You know, for everybody had different reasons for seeing it. You know, it's historical moment in Hollywood. You know, you're seeing yourself represented. I can understand why so many people, especially young girls, having a, a new hero to look up to. Like I just talked about not having black people to dress up as a kid. Now we got another female superhero that, you know, young girls could dress up as. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like I, I expect the same kind of call to action for a lot of women to go see this movie. I attribute the success of the movie to that as well as the final end credits of Infinity War, uh, which we didn't talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and also and also the fact that this movie comes out less than two months before Endgame. Mm-hmm. So I, I think all those factors combined, and it's in the most popular franchise of all time. So I think all those elements combined, to me, that that tells me why this movie made so much money. But I do not think that any studio is above padding tickets. Right. I do think that yeah. some studios have and probably do do that. Yeah. This is just a, a social media thing, man. I feel yeah. like, so again, like back to my point, when I'm talking about Underworld or Resident Evil, I mean, I think the first movies in those franchises may be before some of that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So you think about it, like, again, the timing is everything, but it's also just this social media just that just like amplifies, amplifies yeah. everything, you know, times 10. Yeah. And it just, anything that's said, like whether it's someone that has 30 subscribers or whatever right. it is, it just like someone can find it and it just, just gets posted on Twitter gun. and everyone retweets it or yeah. puts on Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. And then it just becomes this huge thing and it's just like anything small like that it just it just i mean there may have been different people against those other female-led roles in other movies 
we just didn't know about because before Simon. Now it's just the, the ease yeah. of social media and how easy it is to get things out there. And it just, it spreads like a wildfire. It's just, it's, it's crazy. And you also happens. have to look at the fact that Brie Larson has been um, like a vocal activist in terms of like women's representation in Hollywood, you know, just diversity in general. Like she's been not a face of the Time's Up and Me Too movements, but like she's been an advocate or a, a, an integral part of speaking up for for both of those movements. So I think I think that coupled in fact, I think even if she hadn't made that speech, I think that would have happened anyway. Like that would have happened anyway because she is so entrenched in um, that entire movement and a supporter of it and an advocate of it. So let's let's last get thing. back. Yeah, let's get back to last the thing. yeah last thing. Let's get back to the movie. Um, I love the scrolls. I love the twist that they're the good guys and the queer yeah. are the bad Wait, guys. Did you guys know that? No, like so. About like for halfway me, through, I thought maybe, like I started to think yeah. maybe, but going in, no, I didn't know that. No. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought maybe it was like a comic book thing because like that to me was like shocking. Yeah. yeah so um, yeah, in the comics, the scrolls are actually the bad guys. Totally, like they're never good for the most part. Um, so yeah, that twist definitely got me too when they turn out to be the good guys, um, which I thought was cool. I thought it was a great twist for the movie, and I thought that they really threw us for a loop because. You know, this whole movie is about identity. You spoil that Danvers is from Earth to begin with. So you're kind of like, well, you're not going to get me now. There's not a twist anymore. It's all in the trailer. So when the scrolls turn out to be the actual good guys, I did like that they departed from the comics in that way. So I thought that was a that was a good good look. Yeah, personally, I didn't know too much about them from the comics. They weren't the same villains in the Fantastic Four. Were they the ones that kind of adopted the powers of like, like the, the super stone, scrolls? Yeah, like the stone hands. And yeah. The fire. So they were the same race. Yeah. How, uh, how they got the rights from Fox? I have no idea. I think okay. they did like a trade or something something but okay. I, I think they did like a trade much like they did with um oh no this is what they did they got to use the scrolls oh no that was ego the living planet they, oh, okay. they did yeah, the trade yeah. with I don't, I don't know how they got the scrolls. yeah so that was about all i knew from them was like some uh fantastic four covers so that was a twist to me as well i, I love the recall they reference project pegasus and um spoiler alert the the tesseract makes an appearance so yeah yeah that, I love that, that they, was a good i love wow how they use the tesseract so, yeah um, Sorry, guys, Jason. Thanks for that bling because I haven't seen it yet. And Sorry. <laughs> spoiler alert wasn't enough warning. Thank you. I did have one thing. Did you guys feel like a little oversaturated of the fact that we were in the 90s? Like I thought it was cool, but like just so much background stuff. I was like, oh my God, I get it. It's 1995. With, like, it wasn't as bad as Bumblebee. So. Just like, like yeah, the, yeah. Just like the, the back. Yeah, again, like Bumblebee was a sort of similar thing of like every background song was like hard cut 90s song. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins background. She's wearing a flannel. Like. Uh, yes and no. I just, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, Blockbuster right there. Oh my God, it's a Radio Shack. You get it? Because it's still relevant because it's the 90s. I don't. Maybe no, I'm just being cynical. I, I don't know. I wasn't like yeah. overwhelmed by it. I okay. thought. I thought it was well done. I think Bumblebee did a lot. Was it was it as bad as Bumblebee? No, or no? I don't think it was. Well, yeah. Bumblebee oh, did it worse. Bumble, yeah, okay. Bumblebee yeah. was. Yeah, they shoved it in your face in that movie. So okay, I'm glad yeah. at least Bumblebee. I wasn't alone there where I yeah. felt very hit oh, on the head with an 80s hammer. You're like, this is not current day. We get it. Like, <laughs> we understand it's in the past. No, I feel like some of the 90s songs, they could have been better. That's just my personal preference. But yeah. other than that, I, I, I enjoyed the 90s nostalgia. Spoilers. Um, that little uh, No Doubt song in the fight scene. Yeah. I thought that seemed um, really... Honestly, though, you know, I felt like the song didn't really match, the, like, the scene. Well, the, like, the choreography, what was happening, or... Yeah, the, like, okay. it just... It, that but one I think felt that forced. gets back. I think that's back to what we were getting to of like a cool idea, but could have been executed more. Yeah, to better. me that one was like a little bit forced. Like, yeah, the okay, song choices could I have been get better. it. It's like no doubt. Two on the nose. But like, it's, come on, just like, like imagine if let me hear you punching. Imagine if like when Killmonger and like T'Challa fight at the end and they play like I don't know like um, 
fucking public enemy or something. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, just like, like, it's just like, this shit doesn't work. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, it, I think, I think it was too on the nose and it was just so abrupt. It was too abrupt. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like we're kind of in a serious moment mm-hmm. and I feel like that song took all the seriousness out of that moment. She's confronting essentially like her abusers, the yeah. people that have pretty much been dicks to her the whole time. Yeah. Maybe it works. I just feel like it was too no. abrupt. Yeah, yeah I felt it like doesn't it was, work. Yeah, it took me out of the movie a little bit. Yeah. And then it ends as soon as it starts. It doesn't right. keep going. Yeah, yeah to what like you were saying, one. I love the scrolls. I love Ben Mendelsohn's portrayal. Oh, yeah. Like, he was just the highlight of the movie for best me. Best part of the movie for me. One of the best parts, yeah. I can't wait to see him in a sequel. So, yeah. yeah. I love his reactions to, to Goose. To me, that was just hilarious. Just yeah, like right. the how everyone else was acting compared to him. Yeah, and uh, the big oh, yeah. And that, that sort of in the background, and once you can see him and his, uh, his wife like just shaking their head at Nick Fury putting the cat. It also, was, uh, uh, the I Pulp like Fiction that. references. Yes, in the yes. Yeah, when yes. you guys see it, you'll, you'll enjoy I haven't it. Seen it. Yeah, there's like Terminator 2 references, Pulp oh, Fiction really? references, Robocop really references. Yeah, yeah. Really? Like um, when Talos comes out and he's sipping the cup, just like yeah. uh, Jules. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like the exact same cup from Pulp Fiction he's like sipping on it like, oh really yeah like oh, when shit. he comes oh, out okay. but yeah je- def- I won't spoil it anymore but definitely check it out now that we've kind of covered uh, every movie that's been released so far um, let's get into our phase three ranking of the Marvel films uh, you know of course Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home have not come out yet so we're just gonna rank the ones we have seen so let's go from uh, worst to first TJ why don't you kick it off uh, so for my last place I have Doctor Strange then I have Ammon and the Wasp. Then Captain Marvel. I have Black Panther as number four. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Then Spider-Man Homecoming. Thor Ragnarok. Second place is Captain America Civil War. And I think the best movie is Infinity War. Muggs, what about you? So, this is different because there are two that I haven't seen. Homecoming. Okay. I haven't seen it, right? So we're just doing phase three right now, right? The whole order or what? Worst to first. I don't dislike this movie. Doctor Strange, though. I have to put it like the worst. I didn't dislike it either. It's just... It just it's just, just not happening. Okay, here, here, before I go worst. into like, hey, worst for... Because I, I have not seen Captain Marvel. Haven't seen Homecoming. Haven't seen Endgame or now Far From Home. So Doctor Strange is at the bottom of the list. Then I'm going to go Guardians Volume 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Thor, Ragnarok, Black Panther... And then I'm going to go Civil War and then Infinity War. Jason, what about you? All right. So I'm going to ruffle some feathers here, I think, uh, with mine. Because, again, kind of with mugs, I haven't seen Captain Marvel. Obviously, I haven't seen the new Spider-Man that they added. So I'm going to go Ant-Man and the Wasp. Is your last place? Last place. Then Doctor Strange. Guardians 2. Black Panther. Then Civil War. Infinity War. Number one is Ragnarok. I don't know why. It, it, no, it's a. Gr- I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Fucker. I, I think. I think. I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fighting words. All right, T. He I'm threw his hands over this goddamn bar right now. <laughs> but uh, no, 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 I think. Can, can, about, can you repeat your ranking on anymore? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I, 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 turn I, your no, fucking brain on. Replay. Blame. Replay on Spotify. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. You got it. Yeah. We're so, good. Ragnarok number one. I dig it. I can. I can see it. All right. Uh, for me, worst to first, I'm going to go Guardians 2, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, Thor Ragnarok, Infinity War, Black Panther, and my top film of Phase 3 is Civil War. Dominic, how about you? I'm going to go Ant-Man and the Wasp last, Guardians 2, 7, oh, second to last. Uh, Stone number them. Yeah, yeah. Captain Marvel, then Doctor Strange, Spider-Man. Uh, Thor Ragnarok coming at third. Um, 
Black Panther second, and then I have a tie between Civil War and Infinity War as far as like impact. Like, really? I left, I left you, the theater. You tied like, them up, huh? Yeah, I left the theater. No, like, that that is yeah. like very. Yeah, yeah. those are two of the best ones. I understand. Yeah. yeah, it's a real selfish choice between those two. Yeah. yeah. All right, Justin, what do you got? Uh, nothing too surprising. Ant Man and the Wasp Lasp again, only because of the company they're in. Very competitive. Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, Guardians Two, Spider Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, and then Captain America and Infinity War at the top. Bling, what about you? Okay, for me, it would be Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, then I'm going to go Spider-Man Homecoming, Okay. Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Guardians 2, Thor Ragnarok, Civil War, and then Infinity War. All right, so now that we've done our Phase 3 rankings, let's get into uh, our top five ranking of our favorite five MCU films. Regardless of phase, we're going to do the ones that we've seen, our top five. So, uh, Blaine, kick us off with your top five. Top five, it's going to be... Damn. Worst to first. It's only five? <laughs> oh, make it easy on us. Worst to first. Five. Get back to me. I, I need to think about that. Need... Justin, what is your top five? <laughs> now, normally, because it's so competitive, I don't feel it should necessarily be in the top five, but it's personal favorite. Uh, I'm going to have to put Spider-Man at five, just because Spider-Man's my number one, and I really do like what they did. Uh, not necessarily the best, but it fits well with, every, with the rest of the genre. Probably Winter Soldier, Civil War, Ragnarok. And number one, I guess I'm going to have to put Infinity War because, of, like we talked about, all the different dynamics they took, the sort of reverse roles, if you will. So, yeah, I think I'm pretty happy with that list. All right. Dominic, what's your top five of the MCU? Um, from worst to first? Worst to first. Mm-hmm. They're not really my worst. They're the, like, I, mean, I mean, least favorite okay. to most favorite. Yeah. You're, not even top my least five favorite. To, <laughs> top one. Five okay. one. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say is awkward. <laughs> I'll say number five is Iron Man. Okay, to kick it off. Um, probably four would be Ant Man because just of the comedy itself. I was I remember being in the theater just dying at some Michael Pena stuff. And then um, three would just be Civil War. Two would be Infinity War, and then the best one would be Winter Soldier. Uh, for me, uh, my number five is Iron Man. My number four is Infinity War. My number three is Black Panther. Uh, my number two is Civil War, and my number one is Winter Can't Soldier. My list. Nigga, like <laughs> Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, I want to put Iron Man in my five. Hey, he didn't put Black Panther in there at all. <laughs> Fuck. No, he he did. I thought. No, I didn't. Yeah, I forgot. Okay, all right, all right. You know, I'm gonna just leave that in. Fuck it. Asterisk. <laughs> all right, no, no. Do you, do you have a new top five or no? All right, I'll take out Ant-Man and put Black Panther in there. Okay. All right. Jason, <laughs> what's your top five? I mean, I, I had mine typed out like before I fucking came here, so I haven't, I haven't written out. So number five, I think, is Guardians for me. Then it's Infinity War, Ragnarok. Number two is Iron Man. I don't know. When that, that first Iron Man came out, I fell in love with it. It was iconic. I, I just... I don't know. There's something about it. I love that you say iconic. We had to <laughs> throw it in there. Yeah. We have to. It we started have to. the whole thing. And then the number one is, of course, Winter Soldier. So that, that, that's my top five. All right, Muggs, what do you got? All right. So I'm all caught up besides Spider-Man Homecoming. So Yeah, I have to preface that yeah. too. I haven't seen Captain Marvel or either. The I haven't seen Captain show, Marvel either. Or the Spider-Man. But out of the ones yeah, that you've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it bad that I have a tie for five? No, that's fine. I, I have it's to bad. put. As long as you got five movies only. 
Oh, it's I bad. Can't, so I can't do this. No, it's yeah. bad. So I'm going to start one. off with number four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I got to go Avengers, the first one. And then uh, number three, Civil War. I think it's just a great movie. Um, Infinity War got me back into this whole superhero Marvel Universe. Kerwin, I'm like, hey, I watched Infinity with all of us at the theater. I was like, hey, and you, you've loaned me movies. Finally, I got all of them, you know. Um because Infinity War got me on this, I thought that would have been my number one, but it changed. I think Winter Soldier is my favorite of all time. That movie is, pardon my language, bad fucking ass. I love that fucking movie. Uh, Winter Soldier is my number one, but um, I am torn between my fifth because all those other ones are multiple people. You know, These ones are Iron Man or Black Panther. I can't pick which one is my number five. I, I, and you ask me right now, I, I I cannot tell you what it is, so I have a tie for five. That's, that's a tough one. That's fair. I'm sorry, because like, Iron Man started all with Blank Panther is like that good, dude, yeah. you know? Everything else, like they're all together, but... I mean, we're all following the rules here. You're not going to, but it's, so it's I, okay. I, for us. Yeah, it's top five. I, I can't, so I got my top four. I can't pick my top five. I, I have six, sorry. All right, fair enough. Uh, TJ, what do you got? Uh, all right, in fifth, I have uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, and then I have Black Panther... In third, Thor Ragnarok. Second, Civil War. And first, Infinity War. Like, I just think Infinity War, the culmination of, like, everything that we've been talking about for the last three weeks, I think is so important. And I think it was a really great movie on its own. Is Infinity War in all of our top fives? It's the one common one. Well, we don't know Blings yet. Okay. Oh, Oh, God. Are you good, buddy? I'm good. I got my (laughs) Can you have some Dr. Pepper? Okay, so... All right, so my five is Iron Man, Civil War, Avengers, Winter Soldier, and Infinity War. So it's It's number one, top five. So Infinity War is across the board. Everyone loves that one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you know what else people love? Tom Cruise. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. So. Oh, man. What? Are we doing like the whole thing or just Infinity War? No, no, no. It's just just Facebook. Okay, I I can't choose all right, so guys, uh, it's that time again. So, <laughs> We're really gonna do this right now. We do it. We do it every episode. We can't do this. Every episode. Every episode. I know. Okay, okay, I, know okay. I know. I know. We have to. All right. The people expect this from us. All right. They really don't. I feel like Tom Cruise could be the guy drinking Dr Pepper on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Dr. Pepper for sponsoring this podcast. All right. So, uh, Bling, Bling, uh, Bling, who do you have Tom Cruise playing? If you could pick one person from Phase 3, who is Tom Cruise playing? Tom Cruise is going to play Baron Zemo. Justin, what about you? If he had a little more of a trumped-up role, what was the name of the uh, the Children of Thanos, the psychic one? Oh, uh, Ebony Maw? Yeah. I'm going to put Tom Cruise as Ebony Maw. All right, Dominic, what about you? Uh, Drew Lott's character, the Creed. Mm. Good one. That's not bad. Uh, I'm going to have to go similar to what Justin said, but I'm going to say Corvus Glaive. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say Tom Cruise could be him, uh, tall. But I also do like the Jude Law thing. Uh, Jason, what about you? Uh, Paul Rudd's character, Ant-Man. I think he could do a good Ant-Man, personally. I don't know what you guys think about that. We're we're riding off Rudd. We're riding off Rudd already. I I love Paul Rudd. Rudd is a Sigma new, bro. Irreplaceable. You guys are asking me a question. I'm giving you an answer. <laughs> Paul Rudd's zooming in. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, turn Shit. your fucking brain on. But uh, <laughs> You didn't fucking know that either. Yes, I did. I'm just... Right. Whatever. Mm. Anyway, debatable. go on. 
<laughs> Debatable. <laughs> Are you asking me? Oh, yes, sorry. <laughs> Mugs, what about you? I might get shit for this, but I would go Star-Lord. Chris Pratt, I, I, I think I have to. I mean, I like Chris Pratt, but Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise, man. Yeah, that's stupid. TJ? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, So I think, he, I think he could easily step into Michael Keaton's character of the Vulture. Vulture. I think oh, that would be very yeah. easy for him to do, and I think he would do well at it. So Okay, cool. So that's uh, that's it for Tom Cruise. Um, um, yeah, so this weekend we're all going to see Endgame. Comes out uh, this week. We're seeing it on Thursday night. Kerwin, thank you for the tickets. You could have made like 100 grand on this. <laughs> um, I gave you 20, 25, I think is what I gave you. Venmo. You fool. But, literally, literally, one girl from Kentucky was selling one of her tickets for $100,000. And she was saying, like, hey, like, I know this is a lot of money, guys, but I need to pay for my college education. And, like, I'm really down on my luck right now. Like, I know this sounds stupid, but I just, I just, I need the money, guys. And I, I read the whole thing. This is going somewhere, right? <laughs> I No, I just, I just was really surprised that she was saying No, it's not going anywhere. No, 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 no one, no one was bidding on it. No one was looking at it. Like, $100, I think. $100,000. That's a hundred grand for one ticket for the midnight showing in Kentucky to go watch. Who in Endgame. Kentucky has $100,000? The state of Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fake. Guy who made the fried chicken. Colonel Sanders has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, we will be seeing it. Um, you know, whether or not you see content from us following that, you know, that's up in the air. But um, we hope you guys uh, enjoy your time uh, listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed, you know, our last three episodes. Uh, we hope you enjoy yourselves watching Endgame. If you haven't seen any of the movies, you know, feel free to catch up before you see that movie, watch Infinity War, etc. Um, you know, I was I was a teenager when Iron Man came out. Yeah, and now now I'm 30. Like we've what is this, a decade in the making, decade in the making, man. It's so it's it's a crazy deal. This is how this is how it felt, I guess, when people saw Return of the Jedi back in the day. Maybe yeah. this is probably the same feeling. That. So yeah, um, you know, I'm we, going to suck this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking old. I'm 36, by the way. I'm not 55. <laughs> But uh, you know, age aside, um, we do <laughs> we do we do hope you guys um, have fun at the theaters. Be safe. Don't be stupid. Drive safe. Get home safe. And also avoid spoilers while you can. If you're not going to see the movie right away, definitely try to avoid spoilers as much as you can. And uh, yeah. So uh, in the words of Tom Cruise, "Fuck you, Sally." <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Twenty Dollar Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20Ticket at gmail.com. That's 2-0, the numbers, $20Ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and thank you for listening.